It's Friday, May 20th, 2022, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior! America! Steak. For breakfast! So stand by! This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Mm. Rubs, barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again can be found at manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear. They're at stayreadygear.com and on Instagram, stayreadygearusa. Holsters, custom kydex, mag carriers, tourniquet carriers, on and off duty gear, hot melted plastic made just for you. Use the code STEAK for 5% off. Don't get ready. Stay ready. The Pillow King of Minnesota and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family still got the BOGO going on. Giza Dream Elegance Pillows, six-piece My Towel Sets, and Giza Dream Sheets. Just to name a few of the items, buy one, get one free at MyPillow.com. When you enter promo code STEAK at checkout, big, big savings on all the other MyPillow products, up to 66% off. Head over to the website, MyPillow.com forward slash steak, or you can talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and the world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment specializing in headphones can be found at Odyssey. Whether you're gaming, potting, can't tell me nothing, get all those ear needs taken care of at odyssey.com. Find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has been servicing Southern California for over a decade. He's a licensed FFL if you live out of state and are into the tradesies. He's got a five-star rating as well. Newly redesigned, easy-to-use website is westcoastsurvivalarms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Steak for Breakfast Backs the Blue. We love our first responders, and they're always working hard. When they're off-duty, they're probably wearing gear from Mediocre Medic. Sweatshirts, T-shirts, flip-flops, fanny packs, and more. Stickers and patches for when they're on the job. Plus, they've got a pretty fire IG. Find them at MediocreMedic.com. And last, but certainly not least, the gold standard of tactical flair, home of the Zero Fucks Duck, can be found at Dumpbox. Don't know? Go ask Mark Joe Friday. Dumpbox.us is the website. You can find him on Facebook. You can find him on Instagram. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast or on our website at SteakforBreakfastPodcast.com. There you'll find the link tree that will take you to all our social medias, the website, our newest substack, Telegram, and more. On that note, and to all our friends joining us today on the Patriot Podcast Network via the Roku app, from the Twitterverse, Instagram, Discord, and now via our verified account on Truth Social, welcome, Friday edition, Steak for Breakfast Podcast, episode 136. I'm Roan, Noah's here. Yo. Antoinette's joined us. Hey, guys. We've got a great show. We're going to have two of our favorite America First guests. Christina Bob's going to be jumping in with us to do the news right now, and later we're going to have an America First interview with Max Miller. All right, jumping in 
On the show with us today, Big Friday edition of Steak for Breakfast podcast, recurring guest, one of our great friends, we'll call her Miss Save America because that's where she works now. Christina, <laughs> Bob, thanks for coming back with us. Hey, thank you guys so much for having me. I love the show and always love being on. Well, we love you and everything you do as well. So I think we're kind of mutually uh, in agreement there. How's everything going on your end? Things are good. You know, moving forward, the primaries have been great. And, you know, all of the candidates and campaigns, there's obviously a lot of election stuff happening now that trying to tread water with that. But so far, so good. And yeah, we're off to the races. Yeah, it's definitely uh well, you said last time long game, right? Yeah, it's the long game for sure. So you teased uh, three election cycles to our listenership, which consequently a lot more people have jumped onto that narrative and have used on the show. Uh, we, we're we're going to sit down with the human events guys again next week. And uh, Chris Barron has, has talked about that before. And uh, Raheem Kassam will probably tease that next Friday when he comes on the show with uh, Cash Patel. And, you know, it's one, it's one of those things where you just have to understand, like, we wish we could flick a light switch and everything be back to normal or at mm-hmm. least wake up from the nightmare head on a Giza elegance, my pillow and, and realize that it was yeah, all just exactly. a dream, but no, nice plug. thank you. And a promo code stake at checkout for big, big savings. Um, but no, <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things where we, we got it. We got to dig in our heels. Uh, one yeah. of the big narratives we've been talking about on the show lately is, you know, the Republicans are going to have such an opportunity come November and then January. Um, how hard are they going to be willing to fight back? We saw some things up on Capitol Hill yesterday that kind of makes me sad, which comes in the form of $40 billion going to Ukraine. We, yeah. We've done the math. We are now at 12.5 border walls worth of money that has gone to Ukraine Ugh. in the last 90 days. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, remember when we shut down the government for just a, a measly border wall? Yeah. Yeah, we sent 12 and a half of them over to Ukraine, folks, and uh, it, it fed the that bottom is, of the, yeah. That is so infuriating. We have got to get rid of these Republicans that concede so quickly. Republicans are either ill-informed or lack the spine to actually stand up for what they believe in, and they send this money overseas when we can't get anything done here in the United States. And I, I, I just hate Democrats. You know, Democrats are really good at standing their ground and standing up for what they believe in. And Republicans, especially the Republican establishment, don't even compete. Like they get bulldozed repeatedly. And it's disgusting and embarrassing just from a professional perspective to watch how quickly they get steamrolled by, by their Democrat counterparts. So uh, I'm hoping that, you know, this time around in 22, we can replace some of those cowards with some normal people. I'm not even looking for the Marjorie Taylor Greens. I'm just looking for rational, reasonable, reasonable people yeah. who can stand up for our values. No, uh, that's it. At the end of the day, you just want someone that's going to say they're going to run on that America first agenda and then actually go to D.C. And, and do it. Hold yeah. the line for a couple of years so we could get Donald Trump back in the White House, if not sooner. Um, yep. Let's touch on some midterm stuff before we get into the news. We're in the midst of primary season right now. They're really starting to heat up. We've had some major ones last week, big wins and huge upsets. Uh, you know, you want to talk about how coordinated and able to dig their heels in the Democrat Party are. The hit parade for the last half year on Madison Cawthorn resulted in him not win- winning his primary, which to me was absolutely shocking. Like, I know yeah. he's young. He's got some red flags, uh, kind of a frat boyish past. But when it comes to holding party lines, Freedom Caucus, America First Agenda, aligning himself up with MTG and Gates and all those guys up there that that hold the line in the house for us. He, he seemed to be on point. Uh, you know, I've, I've heard from several people he doesn't like to be told no uh, when they tell him to calm down on some stuff. But, you know, everybody's got to have their own personality, right? Unfortunately, we weren't able to circle the wagons enough because I felt 
a lot of the major pundits, especially the ones online that have major presences on Twitter and Instagram, et cetera, spent most of their focus like trashing average candidates instead of sticking up for the ones that we really needed to stay in Congress. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I saw your post on that, actually. I thought it was spot on. Uh, Republicans are free thinking, you know, independent idea type people, which is great. And what's what we love about ourselves. Sure. But the problem is everyone wants to be independent all the time. And at the moment, we need some collective action. And it's it's kind of, you know, your greatest strength can also be your greatest weakness. And I think that's one example of it is our greatest strength is we're all independent thinkers and everyone, every man for himself. But when you have a candidate like Madison Cawthorn, who had done great things, you know, whether you want to consider he's controversial, whatever, but he he voted the way America First people wanted him voting, support him and get behind him. And, you know, we just we didn't have enough. We didn't have enough of that. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm all for open debate. Listen, if you see red flags on candidates, we talk about it on the show every week, what our concerns are, but also what the plus positives can be, what some of the reassurances that a lot of our listenership might not know that we have the privilege to sometimes hear and put it out on our, on our podcast as broadly as possible to protect you know the people that tell us that. But at the end of the day, if you would have just spread a little of that hate and turned it into love, those two percentage points that Madison Cawthorn didn't make it over, uh, probably would have got him over the finish line. But that's neither here nor there. He's young. He's got, a, I think, a promising career in the party for him, and uh, I'm sure he'll find something great to do between now and the next House election. So it's going to be one of those things where uh, we kind of have to rally it up because we have huge ones coming up. Still waiting for the results in Pennsylvania, but it looks like it's going to go Donald Trump's way. Uh, you know, a lot of people are saying that Dr. Oz looks like he's going to be the senatorial nominee for the Republican Party there. Um, mm-hmm. We also saw big wins across the board, the Ted Buds and and people of that nature. A lot of people that Donald Trump endorsed were, you know, they skated to easy wins. And uh, a lot of the focus now is turning on Georgia. So I ran with the narrative overnight last night, which is Friday of this week. I saw Liz Harrington went on War Room this morning and, and basically said the same thing. So at least I know I'm in tune with, with what Trump world's thinking, and that's You see major news outlets, of course, ABC, CBS, all the cable news, legacy media outlets. But then even Fox News shows what was getting under a 10-point advantage for Brian Kemp in the the governor race there. Now they're saying it's like 31 points in like five days, which is mathematically impossible. Right. So they're just... Yeah, no, I I think they're scared of David Perdue. I think... Um, not just David Perdue, I think they're scared of the Trump people in Georgia because the Trump people are rallying behind David Perdue. We all know that polls are used to skew perspective, right? Everybody wants to vote for the winning candidate. So every candidate does a poll that says they're winning so that people will want to vote for them. And Brian Kemp, to your point, the fact that suddenly out of nowhere, Brian Kemp has this huge lead. I don't buy it. I do think Brian Kemp has the name recognition. Mm -hmm. He's the incumbent. Like he has advantages for certain reasons, but he also has some disadvantages in the sense that the MAGA crowd hates him, absolutely hates him and does not support him in any way. And I think Purdue has a huge advantage to that. So I, I don't believe for a second that Kemp is going to double uh, Purdue's vote count by any means. I think Purdue has a really good shot at it and, you know, we'll see what happens. I think if we get to a runoff situation, you have the potential for like a lot of marketing, uh, media, and then the possibility of another rally in Georgia. And I really think with all of the people who win, you know, their their primary races there backing them up as well. Um, 
Listen, I had some reservations on on David Perdue the entire time he was a senator, uh, all through his reelection campaign and and through the runoff elections. I thought, me personally at the time, I thought he was low energy. Um, I thought he voted for the most part along party lines, but was you know kind of like a gray area of like wants to be MAGA but still like holds on to the established like one hand in one mm-hmm. hand. But you want to know what? I talked with his campaign for about a month. We had him on the show last week. I thought it was going to be a quickie because, it, listen, we're a week away from the or less from the primary now. And uh, he stayed on with us for about 30 minutes. He made a case for himself. I heard a fighter. I heard someone who realizes that he had made like some mistakes in the past. And, you know, he's refocused his energy. Uh, he was very compassionate about things like election integrity. He talked for about 10 minutes on that and like went into specifics all the way down to like his personal court case, his amazing pro-life platform, which he has been for the entirety of his public uh, career. Uh, him and his wife do a lot of things in regards to the pro-life movement. And, uh, you know, he, he made the case for himself versus uh, Brian Kemp. And then in contrast to that against Stacey Abrams, which is like, listen, for, for all the people listening out there, the best way and easiest I could put it down, you've seen what's happened in New York, in some parts of Pennsylvania and Michigan, Wisconsin, uh, California for sure. If you want to know what it's like to live in one of those states with record unemployment, high crime, homelessness, drug problems, uh, all these crazy people getting into your kid's school and their education and stuff like that. Let Stacey Abrams be the governor of your state. She will parlay that into turning Georgia into California as fast as she can in, and then run for president as soon as thereafter. And mm-hmm. that's, that's been her goal and ambition. She's got a national apparatus set up with all of her you know, fake election integrity groups and oversights that she does to go and manipulate elections in, in other states. And uh, she's flown underneath the radar for so long because they're trying to keep her record clean so they could roll her out there probably in 28 to run for the president. So this is like her last stand. We will be able to make her pretty much politically irrelevant if we can get her in this midterm election. But we really have to start rallying behind David Perdue and, and make sure that Brian Kemp doesn't get to 50% next Tuesday. Yeah, I think you're right. And your point on the runoff, I think if Purdue and Kemp go to a runoff, I think Purdue will get it. Because yes. for the people who haven't been paying attention in Georgia, which there are still some out there, a runoff will get their attention. They'll go, wait, why Why the runoff? And I think David Perdue, and I, I hate negative politicking. I hate negative ads. I hate all of that stuff. But it is so important of Georgia to stand. He was particularly involved in covering up the, the theft of Georgia mm-hmm. in 2020 and 2021. So I think, you know, people really need to understand what Kemp will do to their state if he... Uh, you know, if he wins this. Yeah, it's it's the honest to God's truth. And, and you make a compelling case there. You know, there's so many things that have come to light. And we've got some bigs running around down there. You know, they got the bus tour. The guys from Real America Voice are all over the place. And then uh, Bernie, yep. Bernie Carrick's been deployed down there. You know, that guy's tough as nails. He joined us a couple weeks ago. And not only did he take a long time on election integrity, he talked about some of these candidates that absolutely have to win. He, he focused on David Perdue a lot. So he kind of teased but he was going to be going down there as well. And, uh... It's time to just circle the wagons. Like, we've already seen a couple hiccups in our massive amounts of victories in these early primaries already, but this is one of the big ones. Uh, you, you, could, yeah. you have the potential to lose what is historically a red state to a party that does not align on any ideological level with the people who live there. And uh, I can tell you what, I've been in California now for 22 years. It's such a different state. It used to be like... Okay, there was like some hippie stuff. There was like some drug. Now it's just like coast to coast, top to bottom, absolute disaster everywhere yeah. you go. And, and that's just in 20 years. So, 
you know, yeah, you well, people are fleeing the state of California for that reason. And you're seeing the redder parts of California, particularly the coastal towns like San Diego, which I know people don't necessarily think of as a conservative part of California, but it has traditionally been more conservative than LA and San Francisco. Yes. You're seeing the San Francisco and LA refugees flood to places like San Diego because they don't want to necessarily leave the state, but they need something better than where they're currently living. And I think, I think it's not good. I, California is, California is in trouble. Yeah, it really is. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll get a couple good ones in there in the house. There's, Cordy Williams yep, is running. We, gotta re, we have to, and and when I, I don't ever want to leave, you know, a uh, hopeless sentiment out there. California is in trouble, but I do think that, you know, if we can make some real changes and get real leadership in our federal government and support California as true patriots rebuild her, I, you know, California will make a comeback. Yeah. But it it's a it's a dire comeback for sure. Yeah. When you see big tech in Silicon Valley kind of turns back on the state and start leaving in masses, they have the last like five years. It's got to raise some huge red flags. Yep. So, well, I guess we'll, 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 we'll jump into the news now. You know, we'll see what happens next week, Georgia, Arkansas, Alabama, three bigs. And uh, you know, a lot of great candidates running a lot of Trump endorsement candidates running out there. Some people coming on strong. Uh, We got some Kentucky, Kentucky Derby like vibes going on in some of those races. And uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited for it. We'll just have to, you know, as 45 says, see what happens. But uh, yep. it, it should be good. I, th- I think we're doing okay. Um, so I saw yesterday, it, it kind of broke over the course of the week, but really snowballed into like a big cry fest for the Democrat Party yesterday. The uh, breaking up of the Ministry of Truth, the Disinformation Governance Board, was right. finally stopped. Uh, well, they call it a hard pause. But you had at the same time probably the biggest red flag on planet Earth right now. Uh, Nina Jankowicz stepped down from the job she never technically held. Um, what do you think about that whole thing? It was kind of weird. Like, sure, we like oversight. And, yes, if there's stuff that's being out there that really hurts Americans and, and it's harmful in regard to, you know, DHS calls it dismiss and malinformation. Now, uh, okay, you, you, you might want to look into that stuff, but – if you just go back and look at all the receipts of her online on Twitter, she's talking about like removing content, editing tweets, like removing mm-hmm. people online and like completely erasing their presence. And uh, now you parlay that into a DHS position where she has like a law enforcement arm to use and like weaponize. It's like, okay, now they have mobile January 6th roundup task force going all over the country yep. and like swatting people for posting memes online. Yeah. I think the ministry of truth, which it has become its colloquial name uh, in reference to 1984. I, I think it's extremely unpopular and it outs them for the communists that they are. And we're in the middle of primaries and not far away is a general election. And so I think they're disbanding it to avoid problems during the election. I don't think they have any intention of slowing their objective, which is to censor Americans, to edit information, to tell their narrative. I think they are going full throttle on that in order, partially in order to confuse Americans about who they should be voting for. So I think the disbanding or dissolving of this disinformation board or whatever it was, I think it's just part of a ruse. I think a great, I'll I'll take it as a win, right? Anytime we can get them to back off of what they're doing, I'd say that's a win. But I, I don't think it's as simple as, oh, good, they're not doing it now. <laughs> you know, I, I think they're still going to try to do it in other ways. It's just 
you know, probably they're probably going to try to conceal it more and make it harder for us to spot what they're doing. Yeah, that's a good point you make there. You know, we had Joe Kent with us on two weeks ago. He's a reoccurring guest on the show. He's a great friend. We, we talk frequently. Uh, great guy. Wish he was already working in the current Trump administration if they would have, you know, not had the election stolen because he told us on the last time he was on that he had agreed to take a job in the Trump administration. But now he's going in that House seat context up in, in Washington 3. But he said, you know, with his extensive intelligence background, um, he just thought this was a point in time where the Biden administration, Alejandro Mayorkas, who's a career swamp monster, he ruined CIS when he served there under the Biden administration. He was under investigation after investigation for paper flay visas and all this other crap that he did with the Clintons and the Saudi princes and stuff like that. Uh, the governor of New Jersey's professional soccer team just getting visas for whoever paid for it instead of the right way. Um, you know, he said they had reached a level of comfortability to where they thought they had so much political capital. I don't know how that's true, but I guess they felt with their base that they were just steamrolling everyone and everything in their path that they could like hard roll this out instead of soft roll it out. And it seemed like everybody on both sides of the aisle were just like, mm, no, I don't really like this at all. And, and when all that stuff about her started coming out online, it's like, yeah, I really don't like it. Uh, but he said this is something that's probably been set up in our federal government through Bits and pieces of other agencies coordinating with each other behind back mm -hmm. channels for years. Like, you know, you don't think American citizens get spied on. We've come to learn that that's okay. That's false. And everybody is, uh, you know, under the target for being able to get spied on from like the average parent at a PTA meeting all the way up to the president of the United States, which we have seen factually that happen to. Yep. So, yeah, it's, it's one of those things. Uh, glad to see it go, but let's hear some of the uh, commentary that went on during the day. Let's, Tucker had Matt Walsh on last night. They were talking about Let's hear them. Just savor this. I'm going to let you go. Yeah, I, well, I, I think it's actually great news. It's great news for us, but it's really great news for CNN, too, because, it, you know, the disinformation board, it means that something finally died faster than CNN Plus. So they could take some, <laughs> some solace in that, I suppose. I think th I'm glad that we got that clip of Peter Ducey because there's a, this, this fundamental absurdity that you, that you do have to really savor, which is that they claim that it's supposed disinformation about the disinformation board that shut it down, which is like, I mean, it's like if there's a, a fire, a new fire department that was set up in your town and then you had a fire at your house and you call the fire department and they said, well, screw that, we're closing. We can't come help you. I mean, that's, that's the whole reason that you're here, right, is for this. Uh, is, and the disinformation board is supposed to be there to shut down disinformation. The first piece of disinformation you should be able to shut down and expose is the disinformation about the board itself. But of course, we know that when they say disinformation, they mean not disinformation, but information that is inconvenient to them. Every time the left talks about misinformation or disinformation, they mean disinformation or rather information that we don't like. Correct. And that's that's the advantage of being a relativist, by the way, which is that, right. you know, if if you don't like a certain truth, then that means that it's no longer true because you don't like it which is exactly why these people cannot be in charge of deciding what's true or not, because they are relativists when it comes down to it. I, I, I got to say it. I think that sounds sexist. I mean, I, so I guess what you're really saying is women should not be allowed on the Internet. <laughs> of, yeah, I mean, what it comes down to, of course, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, and that's, that's like, <laughs> this is this is by, by the way, also also note how all we had to do with the disinformation board is just point to it and say, look at this exactly. thing that they're doing. Exactly. And the whole thing collapsed just like yes. that. All we had to do, democracy dies in darkness, right? I mean, all we had to do was point it out and say, look at this thing they're doing. And uh, that, was, that was the end of the disinformation board. Such, that is such a smart and reassuring point. Thank you for saying that. I hadn't even thought of that, but you're absolutely right. Matt Walsh, great to see you.
And it's kind of like he says there. I mean, we, we kind of stuck up and held the line. It was interesting to see uh, a lot of our politicians go out there and kind of stump on. I mean, they were threatening to hold off the DHS budget if this was going to be included in it, which I thought was outstanding. We don't see enough of that. And, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's one of those things where, uh, I don't know, it, it just was like, a, it was it was extremely creepy. It, it was really, you know, I couldn't believe that we had got to that point. I thought it was like a joke at first. I saw a lot of memes, but then I started seeing like her videos and I was like, is this? And then they had Mayorkas up there like two weeks ago for the budget appropriation hearings and they were just destroying him on it and he had no right. answers. Um, well, they're victims of their own propaganda. Yeah. They believe what they put out. And because they happen to have the megaphone at the moment, they believe that everyone else believes what they put out. And I think they're starting to learn. Well, they probably aren't actually learning. <laughs> but what what's happening is we're seeing that people don't believe them and people aren't just buying the narrative anymore. Republicans, Democrats, independents. There are probably some, you know, very avid liberals on the left that believe it, but the rest of America isn't falling for it and they don't like it and they don't want it. And to your point that you made earlier, they're like, oh, we didn't know this wasn't going to be popular <laughs> because they live in their own echo yep. chambers. Like we saw the video that Project Veritas put out on oh Twitter gosh, where they're yeah. like, we're all commie as F and they're talking about how communists there. Well, they live in an echo chamber and they censor every other point of view. So they don't know. There's a lot of other points of view out there and they don't, they don't understand that the vast majority of people don't agree with them. And so I think this was an example of them falling for their own propaganda and we don't support what they're doing. The American people don't support what they're doing. And so now they have to crawl back into their hole and try to do it in secret. The problem is they've outed themselves for what they're doing. So Americans are going to vote them out and go in and rip the guts out of this nasty communist machine that they've created and restore our freedoms. And so they, they have a lot at stake at this because not just this term, not just the next congressional cycle, you know, 20 in the 22 elections mm -hmm. and for whoever runs for president in 24, but whoever runs for president in 24, the Republicans going to win. We will secure our elections by then. We will have taken back the House and the Senate. So you're going to have a House, a Senate, and a Republican president who are angry at all of the lies and misinformation and propaganda that has come out, not just from the media, that's bad, but but what they have weeded into the government, like we're seeing with Sussman and the FBI, how these government agencies are involved in misleading the American people. We're going to go in and rip the guts out of it. And they are, they're, they're going to be revealed for what they are, which is a very fringe faction where very few people follow them and it's going to die out. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. And then you made a couple of excellent points. Uh, for our listeners who are, are tuning in today on Friday, there is some breaking news over the course of the show. The FBI agent that's uh, getting, um, he's providing testimony today in the Michael Sussman trial, uh, you know, the John Durham case. And uh, he's admitted in court under oath that a lot of the authorizations of things that went down uh, regarding that whole narrative had to go through and were approved by Hillary Clinton herself. Pretty crazy to. That, that really, I mean, that just goes to show they all knew it was wrong. They wanted her to approve it because nobody else wanted to be on the hook 
for approving such a dangerous operation. When I say dangerous, I mean likelihood of getting caught. I mean, what they're doing is illegal. What they did was illegal. And it was a massive abuse of resources and, and government authorities. I know Sussman you know, was employed by Clinton. He was her lawyer. Yep. But they were using, they were either using their sources in the FBI to plant the story within the FBI, or they were taking information that they created that they knew was false in an effort to deceive the FBI, which is also very, very bad. And oh, by the way, a crime. So um, I, I think they're in trouble. I think they're in a lot of trouble. No, I agree. And, uh, you know, we saw some uh, House oversight hearings. I believe it was today. Matt Gates was chairing it. And he was talking with James O'Keefe and that woman who led the the Twitter infiltration to get some of those receipts. And for all mm-hmm. of our uh, tech guys out there, listen, if if a 10 approaches you in a public space <laughs> and, and acts don't like... Don't tell him, Ron. Don't tell him. <laughs> and, and you think you have the opportunity to sleep with her at some point, And she only wants to know about your work. But at the same time, she's like curling your hair. It's probably a huge red flag. <laughs> These guys never don't learn. It's like, this, oh, man. But you know what? That girl was testifying this morning. And she was telling Matt Gates that when the FBI kind of like cornered her when they figured out what she was doing, they, they threatened her and they said, like, if you don't stop doing this, what we're going to do is we're going to take child pornography and put it on your husband's computer and then we're going to raid your house. And, Matt, and you know, uh, Louis Gohmert was sitting right next to Matt Gates and he's like, oh, kind of sounds like somebody we know because, you know, they did the same thing with Matt Gates. Supposedly he was like flying all over the you know country, going to like country clubs and parties with like 14 year old girls. We know that's a lie now. Um, yeah. But. But, you know, Matt Gates is just like, yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting to see how our federal law enforcement agencies are, uh, you know, quieting citizens who are trying to blow the whistle on things that are real. And, and- yeah, they're blackmailing. I, <laughs> the more I hear stories like that, the more I, it, it sounds extreme. And I don't know that I'll, I, I reserve the right to change my mind after sure. it comes out of my mouth. But it makes me think we need to just get rid of the FBI. <laughs> like they're more dangerous to American citizens than they are protecting American citizens. There's no reason why states can't do the job of the FBI. As long as they work together, every state should have their own, obviously they do have their own law enforcement agencies, but they should have a robust enough law enforcement agency that can coordinate with the other states and solve crimes. Like to the extent that we need a national police presence, I think I think we need to make it a heck of a lot smaller than it currently is. Sure. Because everything that's coming out of the FBI, like think about the last, 18 months. Okay. In the last 18 months, what's an FBI case that has come out that you're like, Oh, thank God for the FBI. (laughs) Thank God they thwarted that mission compared to oops. They entrapped a bunch of guys in Michigan trying to pretend like they were going to kidnap the governor. And they're still in the process of entrapping and bribing and blackmailing a whole bunch of American Patriots for January 6th. And they're, oh yeah, I forgot to mention, they spied on the sitting president of the United States, Donald Trump, because they had cooperated with Hillary. Like, if you just look at the stories about what the FBI is actually doing, what good are they? Oh, no, you you make a compelling point there. I mean, one of the things even more recently, uh, well, the Sussman trial is going on right now, but listen, the Buffalo massacre that happened last week, and they had that guy in the crosshairs and did nothing. Right. That's my point. Like, what are what are they doing? It's certainly not protecting us. No, No, it's not. And uh, like you said, you know, I know somebody I don't want to I want to name names on the air. He's he's makes a compelling case to want to clean up the FBI in in a future Trump administration. Just get rid of them. them. We can take the little bits that can't be done by the states and put them like with the marshals or with DHS or somebody else. But there's very 
there's very few operations that the states can't do. And I think having a large police presence for the federal government is dangerous. Yeah, I mean, listen, we know what's gone on forever because there's things going all the way back to Watergate, and I'm sure it existed well before that as well. But uh, the overt public disgracedness that they've brought on that agency, which has done amazing things in the past yes, and, and had yes. great people run it, amazing agents. Were, listen, our country romanticized with the FBI. How many shows, like, you know, right. stopping terrorist Quantico. attacks? I mean, good grief, sure. there's currently a show on it. And what the FBI, the idea of the FBI is great. The problem is people continue to prove that they can't handle the power and can't handle the responsibility because they they use it against their own citizens. Yeah. So and, and I think break it up, give the power back to the states, force the states to step up. The states have all been neutered because the federal government has been crushing them. So let's just rebuild all of the states, rebuild, you know, and add to state police agencies and they have to figure out how to work together. That's a lot safer for the American people than having to worry about whether the FBI is going to raid your home because you went on a podcast and said that you support President Trump. Exactly. Um, and, and someone that's actually touched on things exactly like that is just happens to be the new White House press secretary. When you want to talk about things that this current administration is disgracing, it's definitely that podium in the White House press pool. Um, feelings on her? She's a real peach. She she is a peach. Um <laughs> I don't even know where to start. It's just disappointing. And it's it's disappointing that we're blatantly being lied to by this administration. Yeah. And so much of it comes out of that room. So, I mean, I don't obviously hold anyone in that administration in high regard. And I would tend to believe that whatever they're saying probably is not true. So, I, I don't know. Um. No, you, you make an excellent case, and we're going to hear her right now. Uh, she's been experiencing her first couple tastes of Peter Ducey, uh, who, who, who right now, I mean, we've lost so many. Chanel's not in the White House press room anymore. Emerald's not in the White House press room anymore. You know, they used to just absolutely, they didn't care. Um, and, and well, I think Chanel actually does go in the press room. They just refuse to acknowledge her, call on her, or allow her anywhere where a camera could pick her up. Oh, good for her. So, yeah, no, so she's, you know... Stuck in a box. She must be one of those people yelling from the back every week. Like, why don't you fairly dish out the questions and stuff? Yeah, she probably is. Knowing Chanel, she'll rattle some sabers that way. But yeah. Well, Peter Ducey tried to touch on the disinformation board with uh, Sean Pierre. Let's hear him later up. I think the board was mischaracterized. Then the disinformation board is being shut down because of disinformation. Is that <laughs> what's happening here? Look, I mean, the the board was put forth for a purpose, right? To make sure that we really did a, a uh, really did address what was happening across the country when it came to disinformation. It's just going. It's it's going to pause. There's been a mischaracterizations from outside uh, outside forces, and so <laughs> now what we're going to do is going to we're going to pause it and we're going to do an assessment. Mm. But the work does the work doesn't stop. We're still going to continue the work. The DHS is still going to continue the work. Okay. Excellent projection right there, which is leads to your point before, Christina, that this yeah. will continue on behind the scenes. Yeah. So basically she said exactly what I was saying. Hey, we're still doing the work. We're still going to try to censor Americans, but we don't like the way we were being perceived. So we're going to wait and figure out how we can be perceived better and then we'll call it that. So, yeah, but Peter Ducey's point was great. Yeah, they're shutting down the board due to what they're calling misinformation, which also should go to show that what they're calling information is truth. 
People don't, the truth is people don't like the ministry of truth, which is why it needs to get shut down because they're getting so much bad press. And, uh, the truth is people don't like it, but rather than say, okay, we're not going to do it anymore. They're like, no, 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 we're still going to do it. We just are going to do it in a way that you can't figure out what we're doing, or we're going to lie to you so that you like it. Yeah. I think the only truth that people are kind of really getting behind right now is true social. Good plug right there. Yeah, there you go. So it, it's been really good to see Donald Trump truthing a whole lot more. And we've had an amazing experience on there, to say the very least. We got verified live on the show last week. Oh, fantastic. We, we, we hosted a board member. And, and like we we talked and we're like, okay, how do we ask him? Because we were going through the process. We filled out the application. And I was already, yeah. he had texted me. And I had sent him like screenshots and emails and picture of my license and all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then it was funny because Cash came on. He brought it up. He sent a text um, and then that guy texted me like as soon as the show was over and I was like, man, I'm sorry. Like we had cash on the show today and, and he just did it for us. And he's like, cash Patel. And I was like, oh yeah, we're friends with him. And uh, I said, I just didn't want to bug him and ask him cause it's kind of like grifting. And he's like, oh, okay, no problem. Thank you. And I was like, I guess I could have just, I mean, all we would have had to do is look at our social media and you'd see that he's on here like every three weeks, but yeah. Um, you you want to talk about pathological lying, though, and, and the stuff that's come from the White House podium. Nina Jankowitz actually got on MSDNC yesterday to cry about her now <laughs> vacant position as head of the disinformation board. Let's hear her uh, weigh in on herself. I've watched this happen multiple times in my public life career. Van Jones, when he was at the oh, position in the White House, who was run out of office because he'd signed some petition. And Shirley Sherrod, who was a, a officer of the U.S. Department of Agriculture, who said something wildly taken out of context. Like, what was the experience? of being the focal point of this sort of like massive frenzy like of over truth, the last few weeks of truth well it, it was really overwhelming chris i mean frankly you know Ugh, i have prided myself over my career of being a really nuanced uh, reasonable person again as i said i've i've briefed and advised both republicans and democrats i admire some of the steps that the trump administration even took to combat disinformation including Stop senator it. rob portman and his bills against deep fakes and you know funding the global engagement center at the state department so to say that i'm just a partisan actor was was wildly out of context. And then beyond that, it wasn't just, you know, these mischaracterizations of of my work, but it was death threats against my family. Over the last three weeks, I have maybe had one or two days I didn't report a violent threat, something like, we're coming for you and your family. You and your family should be sent to Russia to be killed. Encouragement of me to commit suicide. Um, all of those have been forwarded to the Department of Homeland Security's uh, security services. And, you know, that's, that's not uh, something that is American. That is not how we should be acting when we have disagreements about policy in this country. I think we need to learn how to be adults in the room. Um, and I don't have time for that childishness. I'm not going to let it silence me. I'm going to go forward and, and continue uh, building awareness about this threat in the future. All right, Nina Jankowitz, I'm very sorry that happened to you, really. Um, and thank you for taking some time tonight. I'm not. I don't think Christina is either. And we're glad to see her go. That voice was just absolutely horrid. <laughs> Well, it's really disgusting. Like nobody should be receiving death threats, right? No, like no, I do no. not support people sending her death threats, but the unfortunate re reality is the left has created this environment and the left spews hate and death threats and all kinds of disgusting things much, much worse than Republicans did. We saw this play out full force in, you know, the summer of love in 2020 when everything was just insane. I certainly experienced threats and 
you know, threats of physical violence and just nastiness myself, just from oh, wow. the reports that I was doing, particularly for the audit. Nothing, you know, and I don't have the Department of Homeland Security at my beck and call to report issues to. So you just deal with it. And thankfully, most of them, you, I, I took them to be bluster, which probably is what hers was as well. I, I don't know. And, I, you know, I don't want to, to judge her issues, but it's it's really unfortunate to see an outlet like the MSDNC yeah. say, oh, we're so sorry that this has happened to you, but then encourage it to happen to the Supreme Court justices who are considering overturning Roe v. Wade in Dobbs. And they're not taking the same stance when threats of violence are hurled at conservatives, but that for someone who was part of this ministry of truth and Americans were speaking out saying, we don't like this, suddenly we're supposed to pity them. Mm. Yeah, no, not, no, no. And, and she is, uh, listen, she comes off and the way she spins her own narrative, it's like, okay, if there was like vague tweets, like she wrote an op-ed in the New York times. Okay. That's up for debate. She's, she's a radical progressive lefty, probably a little commie to her soul, but that then you could talk about it. She went out there and blatantly just like, there was like recorded zoom conferences of her, like telling like people who work in, in world governments, like this is what we need to do to like, make sure we control the narrative and the timeline. It's like, mm, now right. no way. Um, and, and I think a lot of this stuff falls on the shoulders of Alejandro Mayorkas. He was extremely vague, uh, with, with, with that whole thing, but we know how he operates. And then, you know, it was revealed that her whole team had met with the Biden transition team and they had like multiple extensive meetings about rolling this out, uh, right before he was sworn in as president. And I'm air quoting, um, a lot of the people that have come on the show lately that are running in these races are saying like, there's a lot of grandeur and people talking about Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, they're getting impeached, this, that, and the other thing. A lot of people have put the target, especially people with like intelligence backgrounds, military backgrounds saying that there is a viable case. We even had Amir Benno. He's a constitutional attorney and contributor at Newsmax and saying that Alejandro Mayorkas is probably the most likely person to get uh, impeached after the new Senate and house takeover in, in 2022 because, or 2023, because when you look at some of the laws, he's just straight up gone in front of Congress and there's receipts on that. He says they're just not doing there's judges orders that he's refused. And, you know, just some of the things he's done to destroy the sovereignty of this country, it, it's created an absolute disaster. They're going to have to get it typed up good. And I think Millie and Austin are right behind him before he could even talk about Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, because they also have a lot of blood on their hands from what happened in Afghanistan. But uh, mm -hmm. Tim Poole weighed in yesterday on his show. We don't really play too much from him. But uh, he made a good case about Alejandro Mayorkas. Let's hear him real quick. Here's my, ser my serious question, though, is when you look at the DHS disinformation board and you look at Nina Jankowicz, they literally put a child in charge of, a, of the Department of Homeland Security. And the issue is the adults, people who are more mature and more understanding, aren't in these jobs. Well, what they did was they put a fool in charge of the Department of Homeland Security. They Fact. put uh, Mayorkas in charge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he came out shortly after Biden was inaugurated and said to immigrants all across the world, we're not saying don't come, we're saying don't come now. And then he proceeded to deny that re repeatedly that he had said it. And he did say it, and he did mean it, and that's that's why we have so many people mm -hmm. storming the border. Yeah. Here's my, ser my serious question. So what do, you, what do you think about that? I mean... You know, those are pretty good receipts there, and, and, and talks about some of the negligence he used in the uh, holding up that office of his job. 
Yeah, I mean, Mayorkas lies repeatedly to Congress, to the American people. Lying to Congress is a crime. It's not a crime to lie to the American people. He does both. He has opened our borders. He has incentivized illegal immigrants to flood into this nation in an effort to change the Constitution, the makeup. And when I say Constitution, I mean like what makes up the United States. I don't yeah. mean our actual Constitution. He, they're trying to change what America looks like and they have to replace the people because they don't like, and it's just so bizarre because these people in elected office and Mayorkas is appointed official don't like the makeup of America. And so they're trying to change it and get those of us who are lawful American citizens to fall for it. It's just astonishing what they do. And it's really brazen and disgusting and they all need to be uh, prosecuted. Yeah, I hope they are, too. We got a lot of stuff to look forward to uh, at the end of these midterm elections. The good news is between now and November, we'll probably have you on several more times. Christina, we know you're so much busier now in the context of your uh, new job and responsibilities there. You're not only going to the rallies, which it seems like the worst weather on the history of the planet follows you to <laughs> every everyone. Time. So do you know when the next rally is? I'm, I've, I oh, shoot. I'm supposed to know. I don't remember what's next. I'm sorry. I know there's a few scheduled, I think. No, you can just text us later and let us know, because I just want to know in general. I, it's been like a Saturday or two without one, and I kind of miss them. Yeah, um, they're great. They're great. I um, I should know that off the top of my head. I don't. Sorry. No, like we said, we know that you're busy, but uh, we're, of course, going to have you back real soon. I'm probably going to shoot you some dates for June as soon as we get off the air today. And yes. uh, it's always a pleasure. But why don't you tell our listenership wherever they could find you across social media as they get out, follow you, see what you're doing, and uh, some of the stuff that you weigh in on, which is really important. Awesome. Thank you. So I am on truth. It's just my name uh, at Christina Bob. And then same with getter and then Instagram and Twitter is Christina underscore Bob. And I appreciate the follow. And I thank everyone for listening. I'm currently working at save America as an election integrity attorney for president Trump working to secure our elections and uh, make sure we get to keep our freedoms. Still the best boss you ever had. Oh yeah, absolutely. I love it. And as we're getting ready to sit down for an America first interview, with Ohio 7's nominee for the Republican Party, former Trump administration, apparently he did everything in the White House, following President Trump around, Max Miller. We're going to say goodbye to uh, one of our favorite guests and now great friend, the lovely Miss Christina Bob. Thank you for coming on Steak for Breakfast today. Yeah, Max Miller actually, sorry, I'm going to jump in here real fast. Max, Max Miller actually was part of my onboarding for the Trump administration. He was working at PPO and did my onboarding. So big shout out to Max there. Yeah, we've come to get to know him over the last two weeks, and he's a great guy. I'm looking forward to sitting down with him for the first time on the show. Yeah, it'll it's be been a long time coming. Thanks, Christina. You take care. Thank you. And have a good weekend. You too. All right, joining us next on the show today, he is the Trump endorsed America First nominee running in Ohio 7. He's joining us for the first time. We've been looking really forward to this. Max Miller, thanks for coming on Steak for Breakfast. Thanks, Ron. Thanks for having me. I know we've tried to get on and uh, I'm happy to be here and discuss everything and all the important issues you've got cooking. So let's roll. You know what? It's our pleasure to host you and uh, congratulations on the big win a few weeks ago. We had one of your counterparts on the show with us uh, earlier in the week. J.R. Majewski joined us and uh, listen, you guys made a lot of magic happen out there in uh, in Ohio over the course of the primary season. You, you got that coalition of you guys, Carrie, Jesse Odo. Obviously, I just said J.R. Majewski yourself and then J.D. Vance all behind uh Donald Trump, it, it turned out really big for the America First movement there. Yeah, I, when you take a look at what's going on within the state of our country and you see what happened here in Ohio, Trump was right. And that's how direct and, and that I'm going to be on this. Everything that you have seen right now in the last year and a half is self-inflicted by Joe Biden bringing the hurt on the American people 
only to have the, you know, the elites really be the benefactors of this entire relationship. And they're further creating the divide between everyone from every socioeconomic class within this country. And what I'm seeing, and especially in Ohio, that the president's endorsement, his support, he is still the leader of our party. Yes. And look, I hope he runs again in 24 so we can really take this thing back. He knows exactly what we need to do to gut the deep state and really just continue to drain the swamp to get our country back to where it was just a short year and a half ago. And if there's one person that can do it, it's going to be him. And I couldn't be any more prouder to have served with him over the past the last six years. And if he runs again, I know he'll win. And in that capacity, I can't wait to do great work with him and the other members of Congress. Yeah, he's assembling quite a special team of candidates across the country at all all levels. We joke about it sometimes with some of the people who are close to the Trump administration. Christina Bob's a frequent with us. Cash Patel is uh well now he's turned into like a bi monthly guest on our show and he's he's turned into one of our good friends and uh he's a great guy. But you know, you ha- hate to sound cliche and like quote from Avengers movies, but this is this is a an outstanding group of you know heroes that he's assembling across the country. Everyone from candidates like yourself, Joe Kent, all the other ones he's endorsed. You know, up and down from land surveyors all the way up to senators and governors. It's uh, all hands on deck now because I think one of the reflective things you could take across from the Trump administration was like the not knowing what it was really going to be like in 2016. And you've been there from the beginning. For our listenership who might not know, you were on the campaign, you worked in the Treasury Department, you worked vast roles in the Trump administration all the way up to a senior special assistant to President Trump. And, uh, you know, there was like this kind of like not knowing how it was going to be received and then seeing what was actually there when you guys got there. Then you ran into the midterm elections in 2018. And it was like half dealing with rhinos and half dealing with the administrative state. You guys got thrown through like the full gambit. And next thing you know, here we are running into the 2022 midterm. So I think when President Trump, if he makes the decision to go back, is looking to go in with like a fully loaded House and Senate with America first governors scattered all over the country that are really going to help get these Trump era policies back to the forefront. Yeah, look, he's assembling a team of America first warriors and fighters, and that's what we are. I mean, the beauty about why I wanted to run for Congress and why I'm doing this is because of the corruption that I saw in Washington, D.C. People, I mean, people talk about it. It's another thing to go in there and live it. So when I was there in the White House for those four years and then a year and a half before in the campaign, what I saw is I, were, I was in these meetings with the president, with congressmen, congresswomen, senators, and governors when they came to town. And what I can tell you from what I saw is that they only wanted to benefit themselves. And at the core of the problem, at the core of this country's problem with these publicly elected officials is for the most part, these are individuals when they get this paycheck, this is the biggest paycheck that they have ever received in their entire life. And what they do is then they then take that paycheck, then they then take their federal pension if they get elected, not just once, but twice. After the second time they get elected, they get a federal pension for the rest of their lives. This is corruption. All of these losers, and that's what they are for the most part, they're a part of the corruption. They can't find a real job in the private sector. We need to find people who want to work for the people and understand a couple of things. One of those is that as a publicly elected official, we work for you. And that's why I'm giving 25% of my congressional salary back to my district and never take a federal pension, because I am going to be a thorn in the sides of the establishment within our own party and the crazy progressive left. And you need people who you need people who want the job, but don't need the job like Donald Trump. And that's how we're going to change our country. That's how we're not going to get corrupted and molded when all of the when this young group of freshman class comes in. No, we know our principles. We know our agenda. We know we need to curb inflation. We know we need to 
secure our southern border and try to put E-Verify, but not try and do, but put E-Verify in place throughout our entire country. And it, it, there are so many problems that are being exposed by Joe Biden presidency that it's going to take us years to clean up this mess. But the best part is, is that we're going to clean it up and we're going to get rid of these animals and we're going to do great work for the people and restore us to where we once were. We need to be energy independent again. I mean, we need to provide some relief to every American who is hurting right now when we're prioritizing illegal immigrant babies over Americans. Americans are now being treated as second class citizens. I mean, this is the world and this is the environment that Joe Biden created. So when I see President Trump assemble this awesome group of people, we know what we're doing. We're going in with a mission. We're going in with a mission to support the Republican Party for unity, but remind everybody that we need to take care of our country first and our first first before we can go play the world's police once again. And, uh, you know, and everything that's going on overseas, we can talk about that. It makes me sick uh, with this $40 billion bill. It's just we're going down the wrong track real fast. No, we really are. And we are going to get to those issues. But I kind of want to talk about the primary and, and leading up to it. You came out of the box hot right now, and and for someone, you know, we've been tracking all the Trump-endorsed America First candidates across this country. You ran an extremely aggressive campaign that really resonated with the people in Ohio 7. How refreshing was it to you after just, you know, going through that gauntlet of being in D.C. with Donald Trump for, you know, being part essentially for like almost six or seven years total and and having to go through all that. And then you get back to the community and you see that, like, the people there – supposedly everybody, you know, didn't want this anymore. No more America first. We, we shouldn't be saying stuff like that. We should police the world and pay everybody's everything. And then, you know, everyone should live off of the government as it just gets bigger. But then you get back to Ohio, you get back to knocking on doors, having forums, meeting town halls and stuff like that. Was it really refreshing to see while you're running this aggressive America first nationalist populist campaign to see everybody not only missed it, but really wanted it for themselves again? Absolutely. But Ron, I don't know if they missed it or they're not paying attention, but the reality is, is they're not in Ohio. They're in the Beltway. Yeah. Or they're in New York City or they're in L.A. or they're in Miami or they're in some other big liberal city and they love their talking points. They're not here on the ground. And what I can tell you is what you just said. When I went out and I started to speak to people and when I got in this race first against one of the 10 uh, who impeached the president, Anthony Gonzalez, everyone told me that I was crazy. You're never going to beat Anthony. You can never raise the money. You're never going to get the support. Well, guess what? Five months later, they were wrong. He decided not to seek re-election. Yep. And then through that, I got redistricted with, which is a great man, Bob Gibbs, um, who is a current congressman in the seventh district, who I respect and admire very much. So uh, he also decided not to seek re-election for his own reasons. So it's been a challenging campaign. It hasn't been a waltz in uh, to the primary, and I don't think it will be to the general. All of that being said. Uh, for the most part, the message of the America First message resonates with all of the people in my district who roughly have a median salary of around $58,000. So when Pete Buttigieg tells you to buy an EV car that's only, you know, that is worth $55,000, the majority of people in my district can't afford it. Right. They are, they talk about out of touch policies that, you know, people really don't care about right now. People are hurting because of inflation. And, you know, all of these people are like, well, we're raising minimum wage. Go ahead and raise minimum wage to 15 bucks. That means you're still taking a 3% tax cut because inflation supposedly is at 8.3%. Yeah, right. They are, they are completely lost into what they're doing. 
And it's, it's either that they're completely lost, or I go with the fact that they know exactly what they're doing to shred the fabric of our Constitution and our country to reshape it in their own image. Now you see things like pregnant men. I mean, what world do we live in? I, and I, this drives me absolutely up a wall. Calvin Klein posted that picture in New York City. I, look, men can't be pregnant. That's a woman who decided that she wants to pretend that, it's, that she's a man. Exactly. I, I mean, and, and we can go on and on, but it's just highly disturbing. But yes, the Donald Trump America First message plays well everywhere. And he, look, even in Pennsylvania, I know that he endorsed Dr. Oz, but guess what? Dave McCormick's running on America First message. Uh, what was the other, uh, the female's name, Kathy Barnett? Yep. She also, she also was running on America First message. If you look at all of the Republican candidates across the country, for all of those who don't receive the Trump endorsement, they still run on his platform because we're talking about policies that actually matter and that affect real people. Yeah, we, we've actually hosted some of them, and, and when, when they get into it, they talk about how, uh, for instance, some of them are small business owners or they're veterans, and they talked about how things changed so much during the Trump administration, they saw it physically work for them and their families and their communities. Like, even if they're not going to be big enough or, or if they're in a race where there's already a Trump-endorsed candidate, why wouldn't they want to run on that agenda? Because that made their life better, so they want to get elected to Congress and in turn give that back to their community. And and it makes a whole lot of sense. I, I know the people, I think the right word right now, especially after the last 16 months, are probably craving a little bit of the Trump agenda and those America First policies. And, uh, you know, they've, they've spiraled into a couple of really bad things. One, one of the things I want to touch with you on, because you saw the administrative state firsthand, how the unelected people in Washington, D.C., the hundreds of thousands or millions of positions uh, who have no bosses and they could just work forever, the southern border. What's happened down there and how fast they were able to just turn around Trump-era policies on the southern border has just been an absolute embarrassment to our country. It's been so unsafe for our country, and it's ruined and is continuing to ruin communities all over the place with the way this administration is just picking people up in Texas and San Diego and New Mexico and Arizona and just depositing them all over the country. What are some of the things you're looking forward to uh, maybe getting your hands on, on a little bit of uh, impeachment hearings for Alejandro Mayorkas after the midterm elections? I'm looking for impeachment hearings from Mayorkas, and I'm looking for impeachment hearings from Biden. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people are saying, no, don't impeach Biden. It's only going to create the divide. Yeah. Well, guess what? Screw you. Joe Biden killed 13 servicemen and women in Afghanistan. And I will never, ever, as a United States Marine, ever forget about that. That is first that, on my agenda. That's the first thing that we do. Then we can go after Mayorkas. And it's an atrocity. I mean, especially if they're going to undo Title 42, the amount of illegal immigrants that are going to continue to flow through our country. And Roan, you just said it best. Every single state in our country is now a border state. Yep. Ohio is a border state. Not in a million years did I ever think that we would have to worry about these issues. But here we are today. But what we need to go ahead and do, instead of giving $40 billion to Ukraine, how about we finish the $4 billion wall? Because all of these legislators, it sounds like all they want to do is print money to put us as Americans more in a hole. The average debt, if I, I believe the number is 91000 per individual in this country to repay our debt, 91,000. Well, we're gonna print another 40 billion, so that's gonna go up again. Yep. I mean, it's absolutely disgusting, but look, if we don't have a secure, sovereign, southern border, northern border, and put E-Verify on our coast, we are not a sovereign nation. And I find it disgusting that someone like Jake Sullivan can go on TV and tell Americans that the U Ukrainian's border is inviolate, but yet ours is 
Anyone can come in, go for it. And what we're doing is we're showing anyone who wants to hurt us in Western civilization in America the playbook on how to infiltrate our country and to create sleeper cells for what can come next. And people need to really be thinking about this from that lens as well. It's a national security and a humanitarian disaster. And these individuals who are making this trek, the most of them are going to be sold into human trafficking or they're going to be coyotes and drug mules. And it's contributing to the fentanyl and opiate epidemic that we have in the country, which is killing more people than COVID. Yeah. I, I mean, it's just, it really is. There's no other word uh, to use other than just reputable and disgusting behavior from this administration. Yeah, and it seems like, you know, in every facet of everything, the economy, energy, the border, foreign policy, uh, trade deals, international treaties, you name it, they're just in a burn it down, just erase the whole Trump legacy. And uh, it's done nothing but hurt. Well, they're, they're essentially, at the end of the day, they're trying to erase the middle class. Uh, so they could get more into this whole socialist narrative, enormous government where there is just the absolute rich and the poor that is relying on them. And uh, we, we see a lot of it in the candidates and we see even more of it in the motivation of the communities. Listen, all you have to do is watch a Save America rally to, to know that the that the blue collar working men and women in the middle class is alive and well. And and they're really rallying around the base and around all candidates like you right now. Yeah, uh, it's what. It's what we have to do in order to save our country. And usually that's been a cute talking point and fodder, you know, every election for my entire life. And Ron, I'm sure your entire life, everyone's told you that this is the election that matters, yeah. that this is this one's it. No, I mean, before it had been somewhat cute fodder. Now it's actually real. Socialism has been knocking on this country's door for decades, decades and decades and decades. Well, now it's in our country. Now it's not longer at our door. It's kind of moved into almost in our living room. And we need to cut it off at the knees immediately and make sure that they don't infiltrate our entire society and way of life. We're a capitalistic country built off views from our founding fathers that should be looked at and interpreted how they wrote them at the time, just like our Constitution. These aren't living, breathing documents. These young men were much, much smarter uh, than a lot of us today. And they had something that Washington, D.C. has lost. And that's just common sense. Uh, I mean, even on both sides of the aisle. Oh, you're absolutely right there. And it's one of the things that I think, you know, is really resonating with the base right now. And I think it's something that the people really want to, to have again. It is the opportunity to be able to get away from this socialist thing. Listen, the government's gotten so big. The administrative state's gotten so big. It's in every single component of everything. It goes so far outside of D.C. and it all runs up and down every state. Any kind of federal projects going on, they could just slow it down and blow up the budget and make people poor. It's just, it, it's ridiculously gotten out of control. So, you know, it's one of those things where I, I'm very optimistic for the midterm elections. I'm extremely optimistic with President Trump's win-loss record after, you know, the, the first couple primaries and, and he's heading into some major ones next week with, with Georgia and stuff like that. But what did I want to ask you moving down the road is, so now that the primaries are over and you're the Republican nominee in Ohio 7, Obviously, you guys are going to regroup. You guys are going to get uh, some kind of uh, campaign headquarters set up and, and a little bit stronger of an apparatus there now that you got things going. And, and what's next for you? You know, our listenership is probably a little curious on it, it's, a, it's quite a while between we're almost in June all the way up into November. What are some of the things that you're going to be working on now for the next couple of months? Yeah, I'd love to talk about it. So I'm first and foremost, I will be in my district. Uh, the majority of the time. But throughout that time, I'm going to go out and campaign with other America First fighters who are run running with a Trump endorsement. 
because we need as many of these people as we possibly can to take our country back. And you alluded to it earlier. I mean, we were just talking about how it's unbelievable that the president has assembled kind of this team that we're all going to come in together and fight and get his agenda back. But that's really what I'm going to be doing over the course of the next five months and going out and really connecting with the constituents yet again. I mean, we saw that throughout my election, I was able to get uh, 71.8% of the vote. Uh, I, I won by the, my next opponent by 50 points. I want to take our campaign style of messaging and help other candidates, not only financially, but with my time, uh, you know, really just to build that base. So when we can go in to Congress, we're going in together as a team. We're going in knowing each other. We already have an existing relationship. So when it comes to sponsoring legislation, I know that I'll already have a, a solid, you know, a team like the Avengers rolling in with me saying, yep, we're all going to, you know, this is what we're going to do. This is a first priority. Say it's the impeachment of Joe Biden. Great. I've got sponsors on it. Let's ram it through. Let's do the same thing with our secure border. Take the stance and take the uncomfortable stance that most Republicans and Democrats don't want to take because they're afraid of the backlash. And at this point, I'm just not. Uh, people can beat me up. They can say whatever they want. That's not going to deter me. I'm not doing this for the money or notoriety. As I said, I'm already giving a quarter of my salary back to the people of my district because it's their money. And these individuals who get elected to public office should get paid what their average median salary is within their district so they can actually feel the hurt and the same problems that the people whom they represent do. And that's my fundamental belief. Also, it's good to hear that you don't think the Speaker of the House should be worth $200 million. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, look, she's the best insider trade. I love the Oof. Twitter uh, profile, it's Nancy the Pelosi's yes. portfolio. Yes. Now, look, I've yet to really screw around with that and play around with it, but it, it's so enticing because it's like, here's this corrupt woman, right? Gets out of these meetings. Oh, we're going to war? Great. Let me call Raytheon and buy, you know, 5,000 shares, and all of a sudden she makes a grip, right? It's, it's unbelievable, but it's not just her. It's also people in our own party. Uh, I mean, there are plenty of Republicans. I think I saw Dan Crenshaw was number four on the list or something like yep, that. He is. Um, for unusual whales in terms of insider trading, which should be a red flag to every Republican that he's taking. And these individuals, collectively, Republicans and Democrats, are working the system to benefit themselves. Every if Look, if you have money, if you don't have money, it's great. I don't care anywhere in between if you're a congressman or a congresswoman. But everything that you own should be put in a blind trust so that you can't manipulate the system for your own personal gain. Uh, it's that simple. Do right by yourself, but also do right more for your own people. And that's what's the most important. And every single one of those people, they've lost sight of that because they all, you know, they all go there and they say, Ron, I'm going to go drain the swamp, right? I'm going to go drain the swamp. And all of a sudden they get there and they get accustomed to this fancy lifestyle with a slug of money they've never made before, getting sucked up to by the media or going to fancy cocktail parties. I've seen it firsthand. And they become a part of the swamp and they don't even realize it. And then it finally hits them down the road that, man, this was quick. I'm a swamp creature. And the beauty for me, the way that I look at it is I've already been there. They can't manipulate me. They can't work me over like they do with everybody else. I know their games. I've been in these meetings. You know, it's just not going to fly. And, and that is the type of attitude that we need going into the House of Representatives to push back against the establishment, the progressive left. Otherwise, our country is never going to change and it's going to be more of the same. And then we're going to be here in you know, a short you know, three years from now or two and a half years from now wondering what happened. Um, but 
we won't need to wonder. Actually, we'll know because Republicans weren't strong enough to take our country back. Yeah, I think that's the big component of it. You know, we we had have so many guests on who talked about this midterm election. What happens afterwards is extremely, you know, limited. There's going to be a lot of oversight. There's going to be possible impeachments. There's going to be the ending of the Biden agenda legislatively. So if he wants to do anything, it's going to be through executive order. If he does anything radical or more radical than he's already done, it's going to be highly scrutinized. Obviously, he'll have his cabinet members doing all their stupid crap, like changing policies to, to kind of line up with what the Biden agenda was. But there will be no big back build back better. There won't be no Green New Deal or any of that stuff. They won't nationalize abortion and things of that nature nature. And, and that's the goal. But if, if you just sit on it for two years between 2022 and then the next general election in 24, all the Democrats are going to use in regards to that election is, look, they wanted to win back the House and Senate so bad and they did nothing. It's like, no, it's they didn't do anything. They went in there and they fought back against this radical progressive left agenda and they got stuff done. Listen, when Nancy Pelosi got out of her car earlier this week, she was in Manhattan for something after she went up to the Buffalo thing to virtue single that absolute tragedy that was up there that was spun into racism by Joe Biden. She went to New York City and got out of the car. She had, like, her Platinum American Express card in her mouth, and then she, like, takes it out and holds it in her hands and, like, waves to the paparazzi. It's, like, disgusting. You know, this whole country... Listen, when Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk have abandoned the Democrat Party, you know they're doing something really wrong, and, and that's where we're at right now. So I, I, I am absolutely amazed. Like, Elon Musk said he's voting Republican in the next presidential election. And then Jeff Bezos is like, Joe Biden should fact check his own ass about all the stuff he's saying about inflation. You know, it, it's crazy. I would never think like they usually bite their tongue so hard, even when they don't like the candidate, they don't like the president or the Congress. And they are some of the most unlikable people on the planet. But this is like, we've really reached the red line. And this midterm election is the start of what's going to be probably three huge election cycles. That's going to get this country moving back in the right direction. Yeah, completely agree. And I call Pelosi, her nickname is Corella DeVille, because <laughs> that's just who she is. I mean, essentially. Yeah. But no, she she's she's completely out of touch with her own party. And, and, and deep down at her core, she can say whatever she wants out of her mouthpiece. She knows that Joe Biden's a terrible president. Yep. She's just shilling for him because she gets to be speaker. She gets to keep her party in line. And she knows that really she can't get much accomplished. And she's just trying to save face. And that's why she's probably going to end up running for reelection again. And once again, you know, she's just a monster part of the problem and incredibly corrupt. And I really do mean it. Uh, she is the worst of the worst. I mean, look at who she harbors in her own party. I mean, the Democrats and the squad try to push a piece of legislation that would literally essentially try to take the rights away from Israel, which is our greatest friend and democracy within the Middle East. Yep. I am Jewish, Ron. OK. And, and when someone talks about that and the way that they presented it, and you have a party who harbors that type of rhetoric against the people who just had a genocide committed upon them about roughly 80 or some years ago. Uh, it's incredibly disturbing. And they say nothing. And they strip them of zero committee assignments. They continue to give them responsibility. And they all just live in an echo chamber of themselves. And they push these radical policies that are trying to bury the country and everyone inside it. You know, they're the party of unity. Well, I don't feel so welcome to the Democrat Party, Roan, because I'm Jewish because they harbor people who want to actually do harm to the Jewish people, yeah. not only in this country, but outside of it. Yeah. I mean, you're right there. And it's like, I have to think in some private groups that are going on right now in Democrat consultant, people like Kristen Cinema, Joe Manchin, they are trying to figure out like if we really could like run on like a, 
a, a lightish Republican. Do you think we could make it over the finish line? Uh, because th- those policies that you talk about, they're so radical and divisive. You know, what happened up in Buffalo, you know, over the weekend was a horrible tragedy, which is like a mix of like missed opportunity, obviously, by our federal law enforcement. Imagine that. No surprise there. Because um, this kid was like on his Twitch stream telling everybody that he was going to murder everybody at his high school graduation. They knew he was a registered gun owner as well. And and then you, you have like Joe Biden go up there and and fumble through some speech about white nationalism when, you know, this was a case of combination of probably mental illness and, and, and really bad racism. But this is not like this kid was not the spokesperson for what the Biden administration and everybody since pretty much Obama, who was, I think was the most divisive president in the history of the United States started back in like 2016 of, of just creating this narrative to use as like a campaign talking point. And it's just really absurd and disgusting. People died, they were murdered. And this is like you said, this is the politics that this party plays. They don't care about your race, your ethnicity, your religion, your background, what part of the country you're in, how dangerous it's there. If you use this kind of rhetoric, they just say it and hope that, you know, the average non-political person will hear it and used it at the ballot box in the upcoming elections. But I really feel like that those things that you talked about and then, you know, the stuff with the white nationalism stuff going on, I really don't think it's going to resonate with people anymore. It's kind of gotten like a beaten drum, like the uh, January 6th narrative to where you used to be able to say January 6th on the news and show file footage of everybody getting rowdy in the background and everybody get all worked up. And now it's just like, it, it's not really a big deal. Like it cost me $200 to fill up my truck at the gas tank. My kids can't eat and my baby doesn't have formula. Like, can we talk about that stuff? Right. I mean, he's beat the nail on that. He's politicizing an issue. Look, politics does not create hate. Ignorance creates hate. Yes. And that's exactly what this individual did. This was not politically motivated. And I didn't see Joe Biden in Waukesha at no. the Christmas when that when that crazy animal decided to drive through the Christmas parade and for the most part, I believe, uh, injure or kill more white individuals than black individuals, but that's not a hate crime. But everyone turns a blind eye blind eye to it. I mean the sniper in Washington, D.C., just a week ago. Yep. Have you even heard about that nonsense? Because I haven't. I've never seen it on TV. I never see it written in the media. No one talks about it. So he has this un- tragedy in Buffalo that he turns into a racial tragedy when it had nothing to do and it, it was not racially motivated. This is a sick individual who needs mental help. And as you said before, he had an entire manifesto on yep. And what he said, he believed. And people knew about it, and they didn't do enough to at least get this individual some help uh, that he obviously needed. But that's what they do. They love to pull the wool over our eyes. It's the same thing with Afghanistan. This is the second time I brought it up because it really bothers me to my core. You know, when Afghanistan happened, just five or six days after that, what did the Biden administration do? They went in, and then they went in, and they tried to enforce the OSHA mandate for vaccines to try to kick people out of their jobs. And that became the narrative. Look, Democrats aren't dumb. They just have sick, warped ideology, but they're very smart, manipulative. So when that happened, everyone forgot about Afghanistan and all they could focus on was the ocean mandate. It's the same thing with this tragedy up in Buffalo. They want to take Americans' eyes off of record-setting inflation, off of record-setting gas prices, off of record-setting supply chain slowdowns, off of record-setting illegal immigration coming into this country. I mean, I can go on and on and on But they want the average American to forget about the real issues that are impacting them on a day-to-day basis so they can then focus on kind of the dog whistle over here and keep the real problems below underneath and sweep them underneath the carpet. And they are masterminds at that. 
and the medium, sorry, the media protects them yep. and him at every single cost. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And I'm glad you brought off Afghanistan a couple of times. You know, we, we've talked about it extensively on the show. We've had a lot of candidates weigh in on it, veterans like yourself. And, you know, in, in addition to Alejandro Mayorkas and Joe Biden and everybody else that this new Republican Congress is going to hold accountable. And after the 2022 midterm elections, we're really hoping that Austin and Millie are two of the people that you guys drag in there and absolutely end their careers as well, because they're, they're responsible for not only those 13 deaths, but probably the biggest military failure in the history of this country. Yeah, I, I, Ron, you're not going to find anyone more motivated than me to take down these individuals and to hold accountable, and I'll tell you why. I've been personally afflicted by this nonsense of the January 6th committee where I received a subpoena and four U.S. Marshals showed up to my home because I worked for President Donald J. Trump, and I didn't do anything wrong, and the president didn't do anything wrong, and they say all these bombshells are coming. No, I can't wait till I have my day in that seat and we do a reverse committee. So I can start, you know, asking them questions. I mean, I mean, I can tell you the questions that they asked me, Ron, uh, is the deep state real? And you know what I told them? I told them that the deep state is all of you career federal bureaucrats who can't get a real job in the private sector and all of you publicly elected officials who've been in Congress for more than three terms. You're the deep state. And they asked me ridiculous questions that had nothing to do with my subpoena. You know, these individuals have weaponized every branch of our federal government to bring pain on American civilians. So I can't wait to go ahead and talk to Millie. I can't wait to go ahead and talk to my Orcus. I mean, these people need to be held accountable. They need to be impeached. And then we can throw Fauci in prison where he really, really belongs. And then I'm going to do everything in my power with everyone there to once again pull out of the WHO and not give them the authority to call a pandemic and to have control over it within our country when they're the ones who gave it to us. I mean, every single step uh, that that Biden does, I mean, the guy continuously, well, first of all, he can barely take a step, but when he does, he can barely make it. And he doesn't know what he's doing. And it's unfortunate for our country because we really are hurting. Yeah, no, we certainly are. And, uh, it's amazing, you know, candidacies and campaigns like you're running right now, Max, that are that have a lot of people more than hopeful of things are going to get better come these midterm elections. I can't say enough about, you know, your military service, your time in the White House serving the 45th president of the United States, and now your amazing run for Congress. And uh, at some point between now and the midterm elections, we can only hope we'll invite you back and uh, get a campaign update maybe when you get into a little bit of the thick of it before you get too, too busy in the fall. Oh, come on, Ron. You just said you had my buddy Cash on bi-weekly. What's up? Now I get kicked back for a couple months? Oh, no. Well, listen, we want you to focus on your campaign. Cash is no, golfing. No, I'm just messing with you, Ron. He's, he's golfing with 45 every week, and believe me, I get the text message pictures. <laughs> we had Cash on last week. It was an amazing show, and I was talking. You probably know Erica. She she works with him and, and, and a couple of the other ones, but she, she's like, hey, Cash wants to come on and talk about his new book. You know, he dropped the children's book tease today on a uh, – Donald Trump's true social account. And, you know, he's going to come on next Friday night and do a little uh, the plot against the king with us edition of Steak for Breakfast. So it's going to be fun, a little lighter than usual. That's awesome. If you don't mind, you should reach out to Cash and see if I can be a part of the peanut gallery for him because he'll love that. You know what? I'm going to write that down right now and I'll probably text it to him right after we get off the air with you. Max, I want to be able to have our listenership not only get out there if they live in the great state of Ohio, that big old bellwether that you're running in right now, and and get involved in the ground game that you're going to be developing as you head into the general election. But listen, we already know on this show we've got one rule in regards to donations. The GOP, the establishment Republicans, 
we don't pay for those little cards anymore. We don't get our reoccurring donations. We find America First candidates who resonate with our listenership, and if they feel compelled to, that's where the money goes. So if you could tell us your uh, social media handles and campaign website. Absolutely. Uh, my Twitter is at MaxMillerOH. Uh, my Instagram is at MaxMillerOhio. And my website is VoteMaxMiller.com. You can sign up uh, to volunteer if you live in the 7th District or not in the 7th District in the state of Ohio. We'd love to have your support. Uh, we'd love to have your time and your treasure as well. And anything uh, you know that you guys can do for us. But really, I, I just want to leave you with this is I'm, I'm motivated and I'm just really looking forward to getting the America first class of fighters into Congress so we can really take this country back. And that's at, at the core of it. That's what it's all about. That's our main mission. We need to become self-reliant and bring American manufacturing back, return energy independence, return a strong Southern border, have election integrity and the best part. And then we can stick it to China because they continue to take advantage of us. But I just want to leave you with that. It's votemaxmiller.com. And I just want to say thank you for having me on. And I, and I hope I can come on and be a part of the peanut gallery at Cash Let's. You know what? After the uh, Plot Against the King episode, when we reschedule him for some time in maybe late June, we'll definitely have you back, Max. It's, it's been our pleasure, and uh, we will be looking to have you back and join us on the show. This is the Trump-endorsed candidate, America First Agenda candidate, the nominee for Ohio 7, Republican Party. Max Miller, thanks for joining us today on Steak for Breakfast. Thank you, Ron. Appreciate it. Take, Take care. care. Well, it was good hearing from Max Miller for the first time. What do you guys think? He's a, a stud to stay the least. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Sounds like at some point we'll be drinking uh, PBRs with him and Cash Patel together. Nice. I haven't had PBR in a long time. And uh, well, Hopefully it's local so I can bring my smoker. I like it. And according to Christina Bob, he was one of the uh, job gatekeepers in the prior Trump administration. So, uh, hmm. I'm going to think about that one. That is yeah. thing. Yeah. So you never know what a former Walmart employee, how, how that resume could fly. Um, trading your, trade your vest for a suit? Oof, not really a suit guy. No? I, we can make it happen. Hawaiian shirt. There you go. <laughs> Tactical helmet. Oh. Biden administration, as bad as ever. And obviously, you know, we touched on it in our first segment with the disbanding of the ministry of truth. We heard, uh, Nina Jankowicz cry on MSDNC last night, which was, she cried about it. That's amazing. Quite a treat. Yeah. Well, apparently everybody wants to rape her and kill her and is encouraging her to kill herself. But I think a lot of that was just, you know, for shock value because, you know, the MAGA community and, you know, we're turning all of this stuff over to the FBI. Well, you can't turn it over to the ministry of truth anymore. (laughs) <laughs> the ministry, ministry of Truth lasted longer than CNN Plus. Hey, Steak for Breakfast has higher oh. ratings than the Ministry of Truth as well. <laughs> or didn't last longer or did last longer? I guess it didn't really never even started, right? No, no. Well, who knows how long it's really been going on. I think that hard rollout that they did was so unappealing nationwide that it kind of like they thought it was going to be something that they would at least be able to like negotiate with the American public. But it seemed like people from both sides of the aisle, when you talk about like the mansions and the bill Mars who were just never going to get on board with it. Uh, you know, Jeff Bezos talking second richest man in the world. And of course, Elon Musk, who consequently is our first audio clip in this, um, segment that we're doing right now. He sat in on a panel yesterday and they of course wanted to talk about Twitter and and stuff like that, but he keeps circling back towards politics and was talking about the Biden administration. So let's hear him weigh in on, uh, that narrative right here. But it's not as if Biden has flipped the script and said, okay, we're going to go 180 degrees in the other direction. He's kind of kept it the same. 
which has been really surprising, actually. Man, it's hard to tell what Biden's doing, to be totally frank. Um, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I feel like it's the weekend person, at Bernie's. The, 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 the real president is whoever controls the teleprompter. Mm. You know, it's like it's like the, the, the path to power is the path to the teleprompter. You know, like what because what, that then he just reads the teleprompter. So you know, I, I do feel like like if, if somebody would accidentally lean on the lean on the teleprompter, it's going to be like Anchorman. It's going to be like QQQ ASDF one two three. You know, type of thing. Um, <laughs> I mean, in fairness to Biden, he, he hasn't been napping as much as he needs to, but it's hard to say hard job. I mean, things just... that are getting done, you know, it, this, I mean, this administration just, just, it doesn't seem to get a lot done. Like, and you know, um, whatever, like the, the Trump administration leaving Trump aside, I, there, there were a lot of people in the administration who were effective at getting things done. Fact. So, uh, but this this administration seems just just to not have like the drive to just get it done. Uh, that that um, that that's my it's it's that's my impression. Comes on the heels of him announcing for the first time this week that the next presidential election will be the first one that he's ever voted in that he'll be voting for Republican, regardless of who the nominee is, and that includes Donald Trump. That's hilarious. They must, like the left must be freaking scratching their eyes out. It would be amazing if there was somebody that was like totally just angry and leaving, leaving the, uh, leaving the team and just put something weird on the teleprompter. I know. Right. Well, we, we, I'm, we, I'm convinced that there's somebody in the, or, or maybe like a few people in there just waiting to sabotage. Like well, they're like undercover. You remember when <laughs> he, I wish they would do it already. when he spoke at that church and, and he read from the Psalm, uh, he always quotes Psalms 91 and it was in that instance where he's like, and, and, uh, and message. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, so yeah, you know, he, he makes, he makes a compelling point. I, I think a lot of this is to swing public support his way because I think he wants to get that Twitter deal done. You know, we've seen the stock of Twitter fluctuate over the last two weeks. Uh, Elon Musk dispatched his army of internet trolls who went and QC'd Joe Biden's official Twitter account and disclosed that more than 48% of his total followers are bots. Yeah, remember we heard about this yeah. way early on about how they bought a bunch of followers yeah. to to boost yeah. his account? <clears throat> and he, he's barely over 20 million. I mean, that's not even like a lot. No, and they are, I mean, they can't fluff it up too much because it's going to be way too obvious as well. And you want to know what? When he goes on there and, and finally takes over that place, not only is he cleaning house from top to bottom, but he's turning all of those switches off. Oh, yeah. He, I mean, he knew all about it way before he even did this deal. But what he's doing right now is exposing it, you know, and they're mm -hmm. going crazy. Yeah, part of it's for personal gain, I think. But I, I hope yeah. he continues to stay in this thread of like, it's nice to hear someone like him and even creepy ass Jeff Bezos weigh in on like the reality of politics right now. Uh, I heard about that. I, didn't, I posted. I didn't, uh, said. I didn't I didn't hear what he said, but I heard about that. What did what did Jeff Bezos say? Well, Joe Biden made those comments last week at a speaking event where he said, like, we can really get inflation under control if the rich pay their fair share in taxes. And Jeff right. Bezos is like, how does that even make sense? He's like, you need to get your ministry of truth to fact check that tweet. Right. And uh, <laughs> what did you say you heard, Noah? Oh, I, I posted uh, on my personal Instagram uh, the Joe Biden's uh, 
fake follower list was, mm-hmm. you know, at close to 50% or whatever. And then one of my uh, two highlighted uh, friends who oh. are very triggered by things that I post, <laughs> one of them, one of them jumped in and immediately posted uh, an article about Elon Musk's followers being fake. And I was like, really, bro? Like, who gives a fuck? Elon like, does not. Elon need- Musk is not the president <laughs> of the United States. No, I was I- like, look, unless you unless you actually think that Joe Biden is the most popular president in history, then stop defending him. And yes. if you don't like the other guy, that's fine. Great. If you don't like the other guy, perfect. But you're not even talking then about him. They then always let's try to find somebody him. better and unfuck the country. Is what I told him. Yeah. yeah. No response. That, no oh, response. Of course. I was hoping for maybe like populated bubbles and then nothing. But no, no, I think I think I got some bubbles. Yeah. But it was I was just like I was like I literally said I was like it is tiring seeing your responses in here because I know it's just going to be the most vapid, just banal (laughs) version of of Biden cheerleading. Yeah, no, it is. And uh, speaking of cheerleaders, um, Karine Jean-Pierre. Uh, yeah. she's in the start of week two now. Uh, she's had a rough one, a couple run-ins with Peter Ducey. He took her to task. We played it in our first, uh, segment, Noah with, uh, Christina Bob, when he was talking to her about how disinformation led to the disbanding of the disinformation board. And she got all flustered <laughs> and, uh, you know, wait, she- wait, 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 wait. So shouldn't, shouldn't the disinformation board be, be ready for, Oh, I don't know. Such, you know, uh, daunting tasks as, dealing with disinformation like mm. shouldn't that not torpedo the whole thing mm. mm-hmm. good job well they were talking about gas prices which reached uh another sixth day in a row in the united states all-time high uh california has now been for over one calendar month over six dollars for the state average and the Oof. national average creeps i believe it's only now 12 cents away from five dollars a gallon national average and aren't they saying $6 soon? Well, no, they're actually refitting a lot of the gas stations across the country right now to be able to handle uh, $10 a Double gallon. Double digits. Because the, yeah. none of the machines are set to that. Oh, my word. Yes, it's going to be a really interesting summer. Get up there, yeah. but, but I heard that very soon the national average will be around $6 or so. Wow, we, We've Double been experiencing digits. that in California for quite I paid six fifty four for for premium the other day, but it was, six, it was like 6 30 i think for regular no so, way. premium in your car yeah man meme force one likes to ride on the good stuff <laughs> jesus so, i am uh, I i'm officially out of my five dollars a gallon gas i have like Are maybe you? a gallon left in the gas can to put in the put in the bike for uh, work this week. out of your reserve completely prepare oh. the siphons. yeah well i i did make a you know an unscheduled trip up to uh huntington so it was a, that was a little that was an entire tank but whatever Oh my gosh! That's there and back, but that's just way better than my truck. That would have been like three hundred dollars versus. I'm gonna get an e-bike. I just saw like some really cool ass e-bike that looks like a real motorcycle. You don't I want just e-bike. buy one of them and save money for the year. Yeah. <laughs> Do my grocery runs on that thing. I saw somebody had one of the uh, those little one wheel things. Um, the, they're like a segways. Basically, basically like a segway, but it's just the one wheel. A and they had it set up so it looked like a. Uh, what is the the speeder bikes from uh, Return of the Jedi? Oh, nice! <laughs> yeah, it was pretty cool. Had like the little fake legs hanging off it. It was pretty good. That's you got to be creative in this sad economy. Um, they talked about those record high gas prices, and you'll never guess who she blamed it on. Oh, let me guess. 
A question on gas prices. Americans are now spending $5,000 a year on gasoline. That's almost double what they did a year ago. Where are people supposed to go to get all that extra cash? To get the extra cash to pay for gas? Yeah. Well, I mean, one of the things that we've been very clear about is to do everything in our power uh, to make sure uh, that we lower costs. You know, it is important. We see it. The president understands what the American people is is going through. Uh, And that's why uh, we're doing everything that we can. Can. We've made uh, multiple announcements in the past uh, several several months of what we're doing, whether it's the strategic uh, petroleum reserve, whether it's the ethanol 15, to make sure that uh, that uh, that the American people are not feeling Putin's uh, price hike. Mm. This is where this oh, is coming from. Up. 60 to 70 percent of the current price hike that we have seen has come from Putin's aggression against sure. Ukraine. So the president announces on March 31st that he's got all these steps to lower gas prices, and it's still Putin's fault seven weeks later. Well, because what I'm saying is since the war, since Putin's war, aggression against Ukraine started back in February, we did see a spike. But before then, it had uh, the price uh, the, the the price per, per gallon had fallen down about 10 cents or more. And then Putin started his aggression on Ukraine, uh, his violent aggression on Ukraine uh, against their democracy, against their, uh, against their sovereignty. And we saw about, I mean, the facts show it went up about 60 to 70 percent. So it is Putin's tax hike. This is what we're talking about. Putin's tax hike. My All right. So let's let's unpack a couple of those things. They've made they've made announcements right. that do nothing. They've authorized the use of the ethanol gas, which is actually catastrophically bad for your vehicle, mm-hmm. depending on what kind of vehicle you have. Like it, like those are. I was talking to somebody that knows a little bit more about it than I do. And they're like, yeah, like depending on what year your vehicle is, that is a terrible idea to put that in your car. And then tapping into the fuel reserve, which I mean, you know what the fuel reserve is for is, is for if we have some shit go down yeah, and we need, we need to be self-sufficient. So initially us being self-sufficient would have been a number one job. Number one, get those pipelines going, get us to be energy independent. You cannot become green until you are 100% energy independent. You need a plan in place before you try to pull the plug on everything. It's ridiculous, you know? No, it worked fine in Afghanistan. Oh, wait. (laughs) Well, aren't they giving away, I forgot to who, but they're giving away our reserves to people too. Yes. It's not like we're we're tapping into them. They're giving it away. It's it's clearly evident. Well, we're borrowing more money from China to give more money to Ukraine, so that's fun too. And and we actually circled back to uh, talking about getting into negotiations with Venezuela to get oil from them now again this week. Oh, good. They're they're a fun uh, country to deal with. How sweet. They're definitely friendly to their people. And have free and fair elections. (gasps) Yeah. Nicole Wallace from MSDNC is vying hardly for um, the vacant spot of Randy Maddow. She only does Monday shows now. She's getting ready to wrap it up this fiscal year where she'll be uh, heading off into the sunset to do whatever she does or he does. Um, But, you know, the former Bush administration lackey now just goes after conservatives on a crazy basis every night on on MSDNC. And, uh, you know, to get us off of some of the narratives for the NPCs that watch those channels, they went to the well and uh, dug up some old reliable. Let's hear her. 
First, let me answer you. You started off this premise of how does Tucker Carlson get three million viewers every night? A recent morning consult poll said that 23 percent of Republican males are OK with white nationalist, white supremacist views. That's one in four Republican males and nine percent of all Americans. So there's an audience out there. It's still a fringe. It's still a minority, but it's a fringe. What the Democrats need to do, and it's so obvious at this point, is brand them with it, is basically take this replacement theory. And now make it the Republican racist replacement theory. Make every Republican answer, do you believe in it or not? Brand every Republican. This is the party of the replacement theory. Take what is a sliver, or I'm a real minority, but a minority, and make it the entire raison d'etre of the Republican Party. Do the same thing with violence. It's the RV party. It's the Republican violence party. Brand them. The very, this is judo. The very, very heinous things that they stand for and are hiding behind Brand them on it. Take a branding iron, put it on them so that any mainstream Republican has to wear that badge and go, are you voting Republican? Do you understand you're voting for the replacement theory? Do you believe in that? Is that what you stand for? Do you believe that immigrants are coming over to replace white people and it's part of a Jewish cabal playing this whole thing and through interracial marriage? Do you believe, because that's the Republican platform. So make the Republicans own it. Miles, you've got some money and a, a political operation. You know, and that was the, wow, that was a huge jump. That was their lead story last night after, you know, you had the Ukraine bill passed. Um, you, you had some other stuff not pass, uh, which we'll talk about a little <clears> bit later in the show. Um, you have these record high gas prices, inflation out of control. The border's still an absolute disaster and, and everything in between. And to take any, you know, light or attention and shine it on any of those things, which are the actual kitchen table issues that people are at going to the polls right now. Listen, almost three to one. In the, in the primary so far that Republicans are outpacing Democrats at the polls in, in all of the races so far. It's like 2.79% more of a Republican turnout than Democrats. Yeah. Like, you don't think people are really waking up to, like, I don't know how people tune into that shit at night after hearing everything else throughout the course of the day, whether it be on podcasts or on the radio or just at the water cooler at work. Hey, my paycheck sucked this pay, you know, this week. Oh, yeah, mine did, too. Um, and I can't afford shit. I had to pull my kids out of sports and, uh, we're going out a lot less. We canceled our vacation. I'm behind on a couple payments. Credit score is not looking as good as it was. I don't even want to talk about my retirement investments. And they go on there and just talk about like, yeah, when you head to the ballot box this year, if you're voting Republican, you're X, Y, and Z racist replacement theory, white nationalist, uh, the Jewish cabal, all the stuff they were talking about. That's the well, it's disconnect. Just the same, it's the same formula for everything. It's like, you're going to take whatever the fringiest of fringe belief that somebody who identifies as somebody on a specific team that you don't agree with. And you're just going to say, you're going to broad stroke paint everybody else like that. I mean, I saw people posting stuff like this when the Canadian truckers were up there protesting and some idiot was up there with like a, a swastika flag or something like that, or whatever it was. And they're like, what do you have when you have a hundred people protesting with one person who's a Nazi you're like 101 Nazis. And it's like, all right, well, what do you have when you're sending $40 billion to a country that has battalions of Nazis? Right. I mean, it, okay. why why doesn't it go both ways? Because of Vladimir Putin bad. He's a new Oh, that's right. He, he's a new orange so, man bad. What color, what color would Vladimir Putin be? Would he just be white man bad? Because I, I feel like we were already doing white man bad. So, I mean, like. Vodka Pink man bad. Vodka man bad. Yeah. Vodka. I'll we'll have to work on that one. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've already got a couple t-shirt opportunities on deck. Uh, <laughs> but, but you know, it, it's like we play that clip from, from Nicole Wallace, and you just have to know they're going to 
circumvent the actual issues that are going on to ram their political agenda down your throat. And Ted Cruz actually weighed in on that yesterday and how it's hurting the American people. Let's hear him. Just yesterday, I led a letter with 19 of my Senate colleagues to Biden's Secretary of Commerce asking her to stop slow-walking permits for oil and gas exploration in the Gulf of Mexico. Gulf of Mexico has massive reserves. At its peak, produced roughly 2 million barrels a day. And yet the Biden administration is slow-walking permits at every stage. This is deliberate. It's not an accident. It's the radical Green New Deal politics, because Joe Biden believes if gas is $5 a gallon or $6 a gallon or $10 a gallon, that if he imposes enough pain on working men and women, if he has enough moms that have to spend 100 bucks to fill their minivan, if he has enough guys that are spending 150 bucks to fill their truck, that eventually everyone will have this, this, this epiphany and get rid of that truck or get rid of that minivan and everyone will go buy an electric car. And he's willing to make the American people suffer because of his political agenda. This is wrong. It's cynical, it's abusive, it's cruel, it's hurting the most vulnerable in our country. And it's all... Mm-hmm. And it's all... I mean, I kind of I kind of do want an electric car, but I don't want to depend on it. Right. There's like, as my way. only mode of transportation. Like, you could be taken out instantaneously. Like, if... I mean, yeah. even if, what, like a giant solar flare or yeah. you know, electromagnetic pulse, terrorism... Uh, like, yeah, I want to be able to get the fuck out of Dodge if shit goes down. So, I mean, I'm always going to have a gasoline-powered vehicle. Yes, or if the government <laughs> wants to install those kill switches in the electric cars like they've proposed, you know, the, the gas well, they tax they already thing. have them. Yeah. Already... Well, it's not, even, it's not even just the electric cars. It's it's They wanted to do the kill switches in all new cars starting yeah. after X year. I forget which one it was. Exactly. I think 28. Well, and then... I mean, are they going to retrofit older cars eventually, too? Because my 58 Chrysler, I mean, I don't know where you're going to put it. <laughs> I mean, if but you could definitely that, hear it coming like, down the street. Right. I mean, if we were to get to that point when all shit hits the fan and they've completely taken over, I'm sure they'd... Oh, we'd be we'd be experiencing 1776 2.0 at that point. Like, yeah. Oh, I thought you meant 1776 a gallon. Well, maybe, <laughs> maybe. that as well. Uh, I when would you, not be surprised. You, you do want to talk about and stay in the thread of oil, though. The uh, Secretary of the Interior, Deb Howland. She was up on Capitol Hill yesterday getting grilled. Uh, that was Ted Cruz oh, following yeah. that meeting. However, and unexpectedly, in back-to-back weeks, last week we had Kristen Cinema, more known for her flip-flops and sundresses, come out and shit on Alejandro Mayorkas when she's talking about how the cost of all these people coming across the border have ruined the health care in, in, in the southern border sectors of uh, Arizona. Well, now you have the Great Wall of Mansion stepping in and – just completely mind blown because it was, you know, announced last week that the Biden administration had canceled all of those uh, prospective Alaskan pipeline deals and longstanding contracts. They just across the board ended them, said, you want to know what hurts the environment? Green New Deal. Oh, look, there's a windmill. We're not doing it anymore. And uh, yeah. she, she kind of left him speechless. Let's hear him weigh in and, uh, and give her the business. 
if, if I may, real quickly, Secretary Hall, I don't know, did, did you all just put out a statement, the U.S. Department of Interior just put out a statement, and the statement basically says a proposed program is not a decision to issue specific leases or to authorize any drilling or development. This is from you all's office. So it looks like you are on to shut everything down. Did you know you all put this? Uh, out? I, I am. I am sorry. I, I am sitting in this hearing and and not. Looking. My God! Somebody, this shuts it down. It shows what your intent is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she tried to play it off like. Well, she she didn't even re- like. I don't think she was expecting that. I no, and she, she she was she kind of like threw it back to him like it, yeah. like this is happening in real time. Like I, I I don't know. I'm here, and he's like, Jesus Christ, lady, what, what do you mean? None of these people. Get your shit together, lady. Come on. None, well, none of none of these people from this this resident regime don't. They don't know anything. They they don't know shit about what they're doing. They don't. They have no. They don't know shit about fuck. Exactly. It's unbelievable the incompetence. Like, how the hell do these people get these jobs? Like, why would they pick her out of all people? I think they just pick whoever shows up. Or that's willing to work with them. Yeah, it's like, hey, uh, you know, I don't know what you're doing later, but uh, why don't you, <laughs> you just wanna... come fucking hang out and we'll pay you a bunch of money. You down? <laughs> well, you know, in that hearing, there was one more who was a little bit bigger and taller than ever before than the Great Wall of Mansion, and that's someone who's been stepping up a little bit lately, and that's Josh Hawley. Uh, proud of him for some of the things he did this week. We'll talk about that in the next segment. Not so much for Ted Cruz, a little disappointed in him, but then again, Ted Cruz does play both sides of the fence often. Mm-hmm. Uh, he took her to task and uh, brought some receipts and, and had an answer for just about every kind of bullshit statement she tried to lay out here. Let's hear the uh, senator from the great state of Missouri. Hey, in the state of Missouri, the average price of gasoline t- today, as of this morning, is $4.10. Average price of diesel is $5.18. Mm. And I'm sure you've seen the reporting this morning that now AAA is projecting that gas prices will hit a national average, average of $6 a gallon by the month of August. Is this acceptable to you? No, it is not. And you can thank the activity of Vladimir Putin mm. for invading Ukraine and pulling us. Oh, nonsense. Those I, with all due respect, Madam Secretary, that's utter nonsense. In January of 2021, the average gas price in my state was $2.07. Eight months later, eight months later, long before Vladimir Putin invaded Ukraine, that price was up over 30 percent and it has been going mm-hmm. up consistently since. What are you doing to reverse this administration's policies that are drawing down our own supply of energy in this country that are throttling oil and gas production in the United States of America. What are you doing about With it? With respect, sir, it is not administration policies that have affected supply and demand. How can you say that when the price of gas was up over 30 percent from January to uh, you answer my questions? Answer. And it's my time, Madam Secretary. So why don't you answer my question Ooh. from January the to August? The price expired. of gasoline was up over 30 percent in my state alone. It has been a continuous a continuous upward tick since then. And here's what your president did when he first came to office. He immediately re-entered the Paris Climate Accord. He canceled the Keystone Pipeline. He halted leasing programs in Anwar. He issued a 60-day halt 
on all new oil and gas leases and drilling permits on federal lands and waters. That's nationwide. That accounts, by the way, for 25% of U.S. oil production. He directed federal agencies to eliminate all supports for fossil fuels. He imposed new regulations on oil and gas and methane emissions. Those were all just in the first few days. Are you telling me that's had no effect I'm on our energy supply? 94% of the oil and gas executives that were surveyed by the Dallas Fed said that administration policies had nothing to do with the Stop increase it. in the price of oil. I'm not interested in opinions of, of these people. I'm interested Those in the, the facts. Are, are you telling me the that these policies had no effect? Is I'm that your you testimony, no that these policies had no effect? You? Are you telling you, me, sir, Madam Secretary, are you telling me under oath that these policies had no effect. I'm telling you that 94% of the oil and gas industry. I'm not interested in their opinion. I'm interested in no the facts. Effect. So, no, they did not ask. That is Vladimir a remarkable Putin statement. About the increase in demand and the decrease in supply from pulling Russian barrels of oil off the market, thanks to rightly the United States saying we're not going to take Russian oil. Coming out of COVID. So, what explains the increase God, between January mark. and August? Coming of out of COVID, coming out of COVID, there was an increase in demand because people were driving again. When there was no demand, the prices dropped. That is a basic law of economics. The prices dropped. I have to say, Madam Secretary, with all due respect, your answers are insulting. And they are insulting to the people of Missouri who are looking for action. Now, you said two months ago your department was on war footing. What are you doing to bring down the price of gasoline, which has been going up consistently since you took office? The price of gasoline is derived from the price of oil. The price of oil is at $110 a barrel. What are you doing to decrease it? On a global market, sir, if you could let me finish. If you would answer my question. I am answering your question, sir. Oil is traded on a global market. We are paying extremely high prices today, just as they are in Japan. What are you doing to get it down? Just as they are in Germany. Just as they are in South Africa. What are you Africa doing to get it down? Tra- we are calling for an increase in supply. We are releasing a million barrels a day from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve to try to balance out Who are you getting supply it for an and increase demand. Increase in it is supply the largest from? tool that we have to be able to do that. Who are you calling Our for allies an increase in supply from? Excuse me. Secretary, please. Uh, Senator Hawley, your time's expired. Uh, Could I get an answer to this? question, uh, Mr. Chairman. Senator, Who are you calling for an increase in supply from? From our domestic oil and gas manufacturers, from international oil and Even gas manufacturers. Even as you manufacturers. cancel their leases? Senator Hawley, if you want to answer, you have to allow the secretary to answer. Good job, Nadler. I've said yeah. we've called repeatedly for increases in supply from domestic oil and gas manufacturers, from international oil and gas manufacturers. We want to increase supply, and that is why the president released an unprecedented amount from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, and our international allies also released from their reserves to try to balance out supply and demand while the oil and gas companies increase supply, and the international, excuse me, the Energy Information Administration has projected that they will have increased in the United States about a million barrels a day by the end of this year. Mm-hmm. The energy disinformation. This woman is unbelievable. Un- <laughs> How can she sit there and and just blatantly lie? <laughs> the facts are the facts. It's it's these people live in an alternate, you like you know timeline or reality. Well, it's, it's the un- reality where the the Green New Deal is in effect. They're they're essentially doing the green new deal via executive orders without ever getting that bill passed and then having none of the financial backing which is ruining Mm -hmm. the economy in real time even more well yeah and then they're her dancing around with her answer too like 
oil is trading at $110 a barrel. It's like, yeah, but here's the, here's the thing. The reason we're buying the barrels and not just pulling them out of our ass is the fact that this administration has just fucking catastrophically destroyed our energy independence. Yep. Yeah. He tried to get her to say Iran and Venezuela so many times because that's literally who we're negotiating with to number one yeah. increase production and number two drive down the price a little bit and she wouldn't she wouldn't bite but it, it was it was leaked this week to the media so we're we're in direct talks with Venezuela again after there was like didn't she say domestic off. suppliers is who she was contacting well that's who or she something like that that's who she surveyed oh right yeah because when she brought up the fact that you know I want to talk to domestic suppliers he's like. What are you going to talk to them about? You canceled their permits. You know, it's it's yeah. one of those things where uh, we're just gonna, yeah. Any that. any domestic suppliers that are giving her information, like the ones that are saying that none of this stuff is based on the administration's policies, like yeah, those are the guys that are probably still making money from this huge price yeah. increase. Yeah, I mean, I feel sorry for all you truck owners. Like I've said on the show before, I've owned trucks my whole life, but I mean, even for me, it's like I, I drive a Prius now. And it, it it cost me almost sixty dollars to fill up my tank the other day for a Prius. It's got, Fuck, like, it's got what? Like, what is that? Like a six gallon tank? Doesn't I forgot because my friend used yeah to it have... cuts off at seventy five bucks. So I can't even. I I mean I'd have to like try to fill up like three times to fill up my truck. Mm. That's weird that it does that. It's never happened for me before. The cut. Well, if you use a credit card in, in lieu of a debit card, I think. Segwaying now. Uh, we're going to switch gears. There was a huge vote. Well, there were two votes, except one was extremely repressed in the media yesterday. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. Yeah, absolutely disgusting, as all things are that come out of this administration, basically since the beginning. Uh, we'll start with the Ukraine bill, which Rand Paul held up in, in the Senate last week. I believe on Friday they had the initial vote. Uh, they deliberated over the weekend. They tried to make some amendments. Listen, nothing changed, and then they went to vote for it. And uh, a lot of our friends up on Capitol Hill who are – Talking about being America first and, and putting the American people, you know, at the forefront and, and doing all these things that they say they want to do. It just doesn't happen sometimes. Um, long story short, the Senate passed a $40 billion military aid and humanitarian aid bill to Ukraine. Um, so we, we all know there's 100 people in the Senate. 11 Republicans voted against it. Just 11. I'm going to give you the receipts. Hawley. Marshall, Crapo, Braun, Paul, Blackburn, Haggerty, Loomis, Boozman, Tuberville, and Lee. Um, Those are the only names. Let's let's make a list of the Republicans that voted EA. Yeah, well, you got 39 of them, including Mitch McConnell, including Rick Scott, including Mm -hmm. Ron Johnson, including Ted Cruz. Okay, so, Ted Cruz. Yeah, fuck you, Ted. I know. What? Well, I mean, old lion Ted. Ted Cruz and Ron Johnson want to run for. And not, I'm sorry, not Ron Johnson. Ted, Cru- Ted Ron Cruz Johnson. and Tim Scott want to eventually run for president, so they're going to play it middle of the field as as long as they can. You know, they're going to try and please both sides. Yeah. Well, this is the same day that they they turned down the, what the forty billion for small businesses and stuff like that too. The COVID relief act, which was next up on the docket, and it was struck down. Because it wasn't it wasn't financially sound with with the state of the economy anymore. Financially sound, which means it's you know it's not really that it was... important. <laughs> it never was right. And we broke down that whole Ukraine bill. Listen, there's like twenty billion dollars going directly to that black hole in Ukraine, which we once it yeah. gets there, we don't know where it goes. Everything else is re- like uh, research. No, it's it's the revolving <laughs> door. It leaves and then it comes directly back to a whole bunch of different facets of the federal government here. Yeah, and then people's pockets, of yep. course. 
it's it's unbelievable to see it happen. Yeah, forty billion in aid military industrial complex. Gotta love it. Uh, Jean Crean Pierre was asked about it yesterday, and uh, of course that was going to be a huge opportunity to virtue single. Let's hear her do just that. This is something that's incredibly important uh, to the president, but also to our partners and allies, that we uh, make sure that Ukraine is able to defend their democracy. Uh, it is important for us as a country, as a leader uh, in, this, in, in, in this world, uh, to make, make sure that we're doing everything that we can so that happens. Uh, what, ha- what is happening in Ukraine, defending their democracy, def- defending their uh, territorial integrity, uh, this, defending their sovereignty, uh, affects us all. Uh, and so this is something that we are going to continue uh, to be partners with, with our allies, our partners. Uh, the, the, Jake was talking about the NATO alliance and how strong they are, how unified, how they're speaking in one voice uh, in, a, in a way that we have not seen uh, in, in years. And so this is uh, something that we need to be continue to be a leader on, and that's what he believes. Uh, and it's important to, to make sure that we uh, protect our, our country's well, democracy. If Putin escalates um, after the uh, after Finland and Sweden join NATO, well, I'm not going to go into hypotheticals. Mm. We're going to focus on what's happening here and now. Uh, you know, again, I think one of the things that we have to remember, this is a war that Putin started. Uh, this is a war, uh, his aggression, his violent, very violent war uh, that we have seen. The Ukraine, the Ukrainians uh, and their government have fought very bravely. Uh, and we've seen that with Kharkiv. We've seen that what they've done in Kiev. Uh, it is remarkable what they have been able to do uh, in fighting back uh, uh, this aggression uh, um, against their against their country. And so uh, that is going to be our focus to make sure that they have everything that they need uh, to be, to have a, a, to strengthen uh, their uh, kind of their table uh, when it comes to hopefully having some diplomacy uh, and, and getting to an end of this war. But in the meantime, we have to support them. She's terrible. Horrendous. This aggression will not stand, man. <laughs> Stop it. Like, I can't. It, I know. It's just... Like, okay, yeah, Putin started the war, but, I mean, I feel like we pretty much facilitated the ability for him to be like, yeah, I could probably fucking get away with this. It's like... Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, he didn't do anything of the sort when Trump was in office. And, I mean, I think there's... Obviously, we've spoken about it in the past. There's a lot more to this, yeah. quote-unquote, invasion of, of Ukraine. But... Why is Ukraine so important to this regime? You know what I'm saying? It's like asking the Jankowicz, she advised them for five years. Right. Well, and, I mean, and that's the thing. It's like, it's not know. like, it, it's not like it's us sending aid to fucking Mexico or Canada because, or Africa, you know, somebody's attacking like, or... them. <laughs> no, but, but like, we are geographically on the other side of the planet, the basically from, from Ukraine. Why, why, how much money are all these other countries that literally you could drive there in an hour and a half? How much money are these people giving to the Ukraine? The, or is it only us? The numbers are currently United States, $53 billion or 12.5 border walls. And uh-huh. the entirety of NATO, $7 billion. And that, that's it's not just that. There's people that are posting like receipts online when they go out to eat, like even... Yeah, you're getting forced donations. Yeah, like they don't even realize it. Like, yeah, people are getting their receipts, Noah, and it says like uh, total tax tip, uh, 
friends with Ukraine, one dollar. And, they, and it's added. It's not optional. No, it's it's added. They don't tell them. Yeah, exactly. So well, that would be the that, that would be the you know, unfortunately, there's a dollar less tip for the server. And I'd write a note, be like, hey, get your business to unfuck themselves. Sorry, you lost a dollar. Yeah. I was I was asked at the store if I wanted to donate to Ukraine. I said hell no. And the lady's like looks at me like, whoa, why? Yeah, it's like we already gave I'm like, don't even get me started. <laughs> no, it, it went it went literally from like, would you help to like donate to to like COVID research, and then like overnight yeah. it went to to the Ukraine thing, and before that it was like, would you like to donate to Black Lives Matter? We all know how well that went for <laughs> all the people who ran that apparatus. Um, mm-hmm. Even well, though people jo- are still defending them, people are still defending them. I saw somebody posting what I mean. Sorry to get in the weeds, but I saw somebody post this thing where it's like. Basically, it was like, if you are an ally of, of gay people, then, you know, if somebody doesn't support BLM or doesn't support trans or doesn't support this, that and the other thing, it was just like, just wild off the just off the rails, just insanity it didn't make any sense. Crazy. Usually doesn't. Um, we did get our. Rece- but, no, but involuntary donations to Ukraine, like just added to your bill. Gotta like, what's to say you can't just do that for anything like. True story. Ah, fucking yeah. getting my car detailed if I own a business, like a dollar for a dollar for uh, Noah's gas tank. Well, yeah, you, could, you could easily put it as Ukraine and then just pocket that money at your business. Not only that, yeah. but you could you could start charge. Like, what if you? No, you made an excellent point. What if they do start charging for like, hey, the cost of delivery because of the gas prices has gone up and the supply chain issues. So now everybody's check is getting charged like a couple extra bucks. So we could like make sure that the tractor trailers can get here and that the supply chain gets unscrewed. Well, of course they're doing that. You yeah. know, small businesses must be doing that, you know, adding like a search. Oh, they've been doing that with like Uber and uh, yeah. all the delivery and stuff like that. You know, that'll be like uh, basically when I think it was when Uber got hit with all those extra fees because they were, they were mistreating their drivers or whatever it was. Like they literally added on like a cost of doing business uh, fee or whatever. It's just like, really? Like, <laughs> and why am I spending almost as much like if I'm ordering a carne asada burrito, why am I spending almost as much for my burrito as I am tax delivery and tip? Yeah. Yeah. It's basically, basically what it is. It's crazy. All consequently. Like I'll go through, I'll go through and order like, I'll, I'll, I'll like fire up the app and I'm like, fuck, I'm going to order some food. And I fire it all up. And then I look at the total. I'm like, what? It's $30. I know it's crazy. I was like, I'm not paying $30 for this. Like, oh God, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to get in my car and get it myself. Yeah. Well, you talked yeah, about those. You just go look in the fridge. There you go. An old can of tuna. Ugh. I've seen it. Um, Sardines. <laughs> well, at some point in the near future, we, we might actually be getting some of those Ukrainian refugees as our Uber drivers. So you'd be donating directly to them then. And the cause. Uh, they weren't allowed to work. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. They're, they're getting work authorization as soon as they cross. That's fucking yeah, they're crazy. getting their card within two weeks. I mean, that was already on Tucker and Breitbart did an expo bit Jose expose on it. Yeah, so immediate immediate healthcare. They're getting like a debit card relief, relief package. They're getting the government issued cell phone instead of the ankle monitor, and they're getting work authorization. I'm about to cross the border two... and come back in. <laughs> right? <laughs> I thought they passport. had to. I thought they had to, you know, have a sponsor that was going to take care of them for the. Uh, uh, applicable amount of time they were going to be allowed to stay plus they weren't allowed to work we all know how that, I guess that good that's going right I, 
that didn't go very well, I guess. Well, you know, hypothetically, and on the books, I don't think that the United States has openly uh, set a number for accepting these refugees yet. We haven't even brought that before Congress, which is something that's going to have to get voted on at at some point, and and we'll see well, what happens there. Smuggling so many so many refugees, like you know, Af- Afghani's too, and stuff, and dropping them off in the middle of the night without any mm-hmm. oversight at all. I mean, it's well, and then just like the lifting of t- uh, Title Forty Two, rather than just do it. Yeah, they'll of course be like, "All right, Ukrainians, uh, you've only got three more weeks to get here, and yeah. it'll just cause like a massive like like, like mayhem." If you were on the fence about coming, well, I guess I better do it now. Right. Yeah, I talked to somebody the other day. He told me that uh, the Canadian government is flying Ukrainians out of the countries that they uh, spilled into after the Russian invasion directly into Canada, and. Uh, I don't know if you heard what the deal is there, but when, when you come to air quoting now claim asylum in Canada, you automatically get um, three years of legal pers- permanent residentship and work authorization for two. What? Yeah. Huh. So, it, and, and those are all like monetary. Wait, so you can work for the first two years, but not the last year? Well, <laughs> you would think that you you would probably go through the actual legal process, have your case heard. If you're granted asylum, then you get a little bit more of a permanent status or official. But these these are like monetarily uh, divvied out things in the Canadian government. And what's pissing them off is uh, the, the Ukrainians are, are essentially like manipulating the Canadians to fly them over to Canada. And then they're getting all of this paperwork to the United States. Yeah. They're getting in a car and they're driving straight to the United States, which yeah. means like these things are budgetarily appropriated like per person or family unit. And they can't just give that to somebody else. So like, Oh God, come on guys. And, but the good part about oh, so it, they, cheat, they cheated their way through twice. Yeah. Imagine that after they've come out of the third most corrupt country in the history of the universe. So it's technically the trifecta. Mm. We got our receipt of the week, which is what I'm going to be calling whatever congressman steps up to the plate hardest from Josh Hawley. But I do want to hear from some of the ones that talked uh, about the negatives of this Ukraine bill. First up was the one who slowed it in the first place, Rand Paul. Those senators who voted to gift $40 billion to Ukraine argue that it is in our national security interest. I wonder if Americans across our country would agree if they had been shown the costs if they had been asked to pay for it. If the supporters of foreign aid for Ukraine had been honest with Americans, they could have instituted a Ukraine war tax. I'm sure it would have been quite popular. By my calculation, each income tax payer in our country would need to pay $500 to support this this $40 billion, Mm. which by some accounts is a down payment and will need to be replenished in about four months. So a $500 tax to every American income taxpayer would pay for this. But that's not the way things are done in Washington. What we do is say, put it on my tab. We don't want to be honest. We don't want to be transparent with the taxpayer. We just add it to the debt. We could have also taken the $40 billion from elsewhere in the budget. We could have said, well, we spend $770 billion on our military, and that $770 billion is more than the next eight countries combined. Mm-hmm. We could have taken it out of our military budget. If it's in our national security interest, perhaps it could be a military expenditure. But no, we don't want to tax the people. We don't want them to know that there is a payment or a punishment for this. We don't want to take it from somewhere else where somebody else is getting rich off of this money. No, what we do is we simply borrow it. Put it on my tab is what Congress says. So yes, that's what will happen. 
So when Americans go to the grocery store, they will pay yet again higher prices. When Americans go to the gas pump, they will spend even more for their gas because there is no free lunch. $40 billion cannot be created out of thin air, although it sort of is by the Fed. <laughs> but in being created and increasing the demand, it causes inflation. Debt leads to inflation. Now, when the ink is not even dry on the money that we are shoveling out the door for Ukraine, the Democrats are back. I mean, it hasn't been yet an hour. We're still in the same hour that $40 billion. So, you know, he would go on to say a couple different things. Uh, he would talk about, so it was announced yesterday, as soon as this thing was voted in the Senate, Tony Blinken came out and said that the Pentagon is going to be uh, allotting an additional like like he was saying before the ink even dries, $800 million in military equipment that will be sent over there immediately in an attempt On to- On top of the other money. Yeah, and oh. like this is completely additional and standalone. So- Wow. But wait, there's more. It was one of those deals. And oh. uh, yeah, it, it's one of those things where we're, we're continuing to deplete our own, uh, you know, military assets and- uh, Right. Production has been slowed and, and hasn't picked it back up yet. Um, Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, gave a very compelling uh, tear into this thing in the House. Let's hear hers real quick. I rise in opposition to this bill. I find it shocking to hear language coming from my colleagues uh, across the aisle accusing Republicans of the horrific shooting in Buffalo when, in fact, the, the shooter's manifesto himself, he acted as a lone wolf. No Republican had anything to do with that. I also find it shocking to hear these accusations coming from the party that supported BLM riots that caused over $2 billion in damage in cities and communities across the country. Now, when we're talking about um, identity politics, we should remind one another that there were six people murdered and 62 others injured by an, a black American who drove his car through a Christmas parade in Waukesha. There was also a black American that shot and injured 23 people on a New York City subway. I'm not hearing any of those examples um, as domestic terrorism from my colleagues across the aisle. And I don't understand why. I think these acts should be blamed on the people that are doing them, not on people's identity and their skin color. Another thing that is wrong with this bill is it provides unlimited money to profile Americans that the Department of Justice says are white supremacists. That's unlimited money. That's, that's why Democrats want to pursue every single conservative in America, simply because they want to choose who is a white supremacist and not. The Speaker herself has called Republicans enemies of the state. Uh, 30 additional seconds. The general lady is recognized. There you if go, the Noah. speaker does not like Republicans' politics and considers us enemies of the state, we all know what domestic terrorist will mean to Democrats. That will mean anyone who stands in their way in their lustful quest for power. This would be parents that are trying to hold people accountable with their tax dollars for how their children are taught, or anyone else that they want to blame for something they want to use for politics. Thank you. I yield back. Now, that was part of the COVID relief bill that was struck down after the Ukraine one was passed. And what was funny about it is 
for as the Democrats promoted it as something that was really going to help small businesses reopen and begin to like stand on their feet again at the expense of, of the taxpaying Americans. And at the same time, they'll be able to create fake jobs that they shuttered forcefully during COVID by, by letting people come back and, and open up their old ones. Um, there was a ton of stuff in there that seems like fell out of the ministry of truth, which was now closed for business and landed right into this air quoting COVID relief package. How'd you like some of those highlights in there, Noah? Mm, yeah, that's uh, disgusting. I didn't hear any COVID relief in there. Yeah. It's weird how that works. I mean, mm-hmm. it's almost like COVID has gone and yet we're still just using it as an excuse to funnel money through bullshit channels to do other things that they want to do. Well, that's how they're keeping it alive, yep. you know, you know, and keeping it on the side because they, the, you know, for their bag of tricks and like, you know, their last resorts of whatnot. But right now they're focusing on, you know, other things, but yeah, they're going to, well, it's like, it you can't, you can't have it both ways. Like, okay, title 42 is over. Okay. Well, title 42 is over. Then COVID's over. Yeah. But COVID's not over. Uh, okay. So, and you're still <laughs> going to get fired from your job. I don't understand. You don't have to. Did did you say COVID's over? Because I meant monkeypox, which is I what was just what, gonna. I was just gonna mention that. I'm like mother effers. Yeah, I can't wait. So for that. funny thing, it's funny so thing about obvious. the monkeypox. Go ahead. I actually, over the last you know week or so, you know, wanting to be uh, agitated, I guess, well well versed in the uh, monkeypox topic. So it essentially, came up an agitator. <laughs> so i was looking i was yeah so i'm looking up things about monkeypox and literally three days ago i looked it up and i saw several things that said monkeypox infections are generally mild not dangerous this that and the other thing hmm, sounds now, familiar. now everything that you see when you look up monkeypox again and this is on DuckDuckGo. instant death it's it's not even instant death yeah. but it's overshadowed by all the cnn MSNBC articles about it, and none of those mention that it is a mild and not really dangerous infection. Yeah, you look like fucking Rocky Dennis, but I mean, you're not going <laughs> to die from it 90% of the time. But it's just, it's just amazing. Like over the course of two days, it's like, all right, we're rolling this fucker out. Send in the clones. Send in the monkeypox. Yeah, it's like, Jesus. Well, it's just crazy. It's the same playbook every time. And, you know, people but are. But how many times are they going to do this? And, and, and the people who are like normal, everyday people are just like, hey, you know, I was I was all right. And like I stapled the masks over the vents in my car. And, you know, <laughs> oh, the best I is- sleep in. A, I sleep in the mask. But now, like, this is kind of like, you know, gas is really exp- like this is kind of fucked up now. I can't yeah, even buy Hot Pockets see- anymore. The price of yeah, hot like, pockets I mean, what, what are you doing in your basement if you don't have hot pockets? Yeah, it's, and, and it's just one of those sitting there mouth breathing. Like, I mean, that, that can't be fun. And just remember all the receipts we have from all of the doctors and specialists and and world whatever organizations that this is a once in a lifetime pandemic. This is a once in a hundred years pandemic, and now they're like rolling out other viruses and, <laughs> and trying to demonize yeah. it. So Fauci, all, all the mili- the, the meme, the meme with all the millennials that are dealing with the seventh once in a lifetime uh event in yes. their lifetime and, and you know it's it's just funny how that just those items fell into this bill and and how great 
MTG was able to like tailor it in there is just absolute pork and, and and ridiculousness. There's there's a there's a large part of me that wanted that bill to pass because of the stuff that it would do for the small businesses, but then all it would do is would be to pad fake stats for the Biden administration and a lot money for us all to get spied on and swatted so at the end of the day it was probably the best chip roy uh had the most fiery of course uh complaints and and points making up on capitol hill yesterday but he joined tucker uh to do a little play-by-play commentary so the senate has just passed the 40 billion dollar ukraine aid bill Mm. joe biden's expected to gleefully sign it very soon 11 Republican senators voted against it. In the House, 57 Republicans opposed the bill. One of them was Texas Congressman Chip Roy. Here's why he said he voted against it. When I hear the majority leader of the other party say, quote, a time of war, when I sat with the majority leader in a rules committee meeting upstairs and he said, we're at war, and I'm wondering when we voted to go to war. If people, if we're going to have a proxy war and we're going to give $40 billion to Ukraine because we want to look all fancy with our blue and yellow ribbons feel good about ourselves maybe we should actually have a debate in this chamber a debate in this body because the american people expect us to do that so that's the majority of you in the country that's what most people think it's not at all what the leaders of both parties think and they are absolutely united in this ukraine's borders are not just more important than our borders but they're so much more important that they're spending 10x protecting ukraine than what they're spending protecting this country from fentanyl pouring in and human trafficking, because that's what they care about. Chip Roy is the man you just saw from Texas. He joins us tonight. Congressman, thanks so much for joining us tonight. Um, so wh- you are one of relatively few to say this. I, I think you're probably speaking for the majority of your constituents, are you not? Yeah, no question, Tucker. I've gotten nothing but uh, positive feedback from all the people that I represent in Texas who are just sick and tired of business as usual in Washington. And look, you you posed the question to senators. Look, I had five hours to make a decision about that bill. I didn't think it was that hard. You posed a question to senators that, you know, asked them to come on your show to defend the vote. Did any of them take you up on it? Not one. Perfect. Not one. Yeah, of course not. Because it's indefensible to fund $40 billion unpaid for at a time of rampant inflation in our country. In effect, you're basically pouring $5 gasoline on the runaway fire of inflation for the men and women who uh, you're working hard throughout this country. And the senators are now hiding behind saying, oh, $40 billion isn't that much money, Tucker. $40 billion isn't that much money. And you know what they're saying? They're saying, take a leap of faith and make sure that we put our faith in the brass at the Pentagon. The same brass no, that walked out of Afghanistan leaving $85 billion of equipment behind, walked away from Bagram. The same brass that told us two months ago that Kiev would fall in a week. Why are we following that? Uh, the Senate should be ashamed of itself uh, passing a $40 billion unpaid for bill uh, while the American people are suffering with rampant inflation. And now you know what's happening in the House? You have my colleagues in the House who are coming up to me and, da- and saying, oh, Chip, you guys in the Freedom Caucus are daring to force votes on a bunch of bills and making us vote. We missed eight fundraisers this week. Fundraisers, Tucker. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Did we interfere with your steak dinner rather than doing the work for the American people? That's what the American people are sick of in this town. They're being manipulated by the intel agencies. They're telling you, you haven't seen the intel. These people are idiots. They, they believe what they read. Scary. It's really scary. I appreciate your bravery. Congressman Chip Roy of the state of Texas. Thank you. Thanks for having me on, Dr. Carlson. Oh, I like it. Doctor. Doctor. Doctor? Dr. Carlson? Sure is. Doctor. Doctor. Doctor of all things toupee related. Wig doctor? Yeah. Rug doctor. Rug doctor. Rug doctor.
Okay, so th- that's kind of where we're at. And, uh, you know, we'll see what's, what's going to happen, how they try to repackage and repurpose that COVID relief fund, because that's something that Nancy Pelosi is like, wanted to use as like the uh, the focal point of her reelection campaign, which isn't going to matter anyways, because she ain't going to be the fucking speaker in January. So I could care less what I she thought she wasn't going to go for it again. Oh, no, she 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 recanted that and said, like, she must run now because she knows oh, what's wow. coming. Oh, of course. Yeah, she must. At 82 <laughs> years young and could drunk six out of seven days a week. Um, well, she's got to secure her, her place in the dictatorship they're going to install soon. I like it. So the last thing I want to touch on with you guys, and we're just going to get into it because we're kind of going through it right now, is uh, that this creepy stuff that's going on with the uh, World Health Organization and the WEF. Yes. I know Antoinette's a huge fan of, like, peeling the layers back on this stuff, and, and she does a lot of research on that. But uh, you know, I'm just hearing about it, though. Yeah, they're, they're having their conference this week, and, and basically what we're hearing from uh, coming out of there is that essentially all of the – leaders of world governments, the industrial, the second and first world nations are basically going to sign a treaty that is mm-hmm. that the WHO is going to be in control of. And instead of experiencing world. all the bad things we saw here in the United States and even worse in places like Canada and Australia, and yes, of course, China, uh, the WHO will now be the emperor of the world when it comes to all things pandemic related and whatever they say will be like a blanket i'm gonna call it consequence across the globe Mm. yeah so it's flown under a lot of radars and and let's just kind of like lead into this thing we heard well here's a little spoiler for what's coming down the road we have speaking at this event this week the german health minister uh lauterbach uh, and he was talking about how they're doing some very realistic exercises in which a smallpox pandemic results from a leopard bite and spreads mm. worldwide. Uh, yeah, let, let's let's hear how he's framed that one. Wir auch eine also Übung machen, eine sehr realistische Übung, wo es darum geht, dass aus or we won't because it's in fucking German. I was like, what, what's yeah, going on I mean, here? I was like, I forgot. I like, some of that. Don't worry, I, I have a different one. Okay, 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 I got one. Instead of that, we're going to hear from the Pfizer CEO, even worse, uh, Albert Borla, and he's explaining Pfizer's new tech to the Davos World Economic Forum and WHO crowd. Listen to this. So now they have ingestible pills with a tiny microchip in it. Yep. And that will send, uh, it'll attach to somewhere in your system and will send a wireless signal to relevant authorities Mm-hmm. when pharmaceutical uh, items have been digested. Let's hear him uh, give that very scary receipt. It is uh, Wait, like basically biological chip that it is in the tablet. And once you take the tablet and dissolves into your stomach, sec- sends a signal that you took the tablet. So imagine the applications of that, uh, compliance. Uh, the insurance companies to know that the medicines that patients should take, they do take them. Uh, it is uh, fascinating what happens in in uh, this field. Mm, very fucking scary. Oh, so there, there it is. There's the the way to prove that you're vaccinated or not vaccinated. Well, yeah, and to track you and every, these pills essentially track everything, literally. And, and, and believe it or not, um, well, I'm sure you guys could believe it because we're at this point to where nothing surprises us anymore. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Former war criminal, non-doctor but head of the WHO. I can't pronounce his four first names, but Tedros. Tedros, uh, yeah. Spoke 
as uh, the keynote speaker on day one and actually vaguely referenced Ultra MAGA in regards to the pushback to this global initiative. Respond more effectively to the next disease X or known pathogens. Unfortunately, there has been a small minority of groups making misleading statements and purposefully distorting facts. That's us. I want to be crystal clear. WHO's agenda is public, open, and transparent. WHO stands strongly for individual rights. We passionately support everyone's right to health, and we will do everything we can to ensure that the right is... By forcefully injecting you with things you don't want in your body. This is, and this guy is like a known terrorist, mind you, people, whoever's listening, just look it up. Yeah, he destroyed Ethiopia. Yeah. So, I mean, he, he's, he's a legitimate war criminal. Uh, yeah, no, he is. And, and, and that's 100% facts. So, well, and this tech, this tech is super dangerous along those lines because now it's going to be, you know, they were talking about putting vaccines in food and genetically engineering it into like things that you eat. I'm sure and it's going to get to the point where yeah. unless we stop all this bullshit where you have to have rights to like what you're ingesting and like what you have to know what it is a year. I mean, it's bad enough all the shit that they've done with pesticides right? and shit that's caused cancer. Yeah. But then it's like, hey, we're going to use this experimental vaccine for your benefit. But oops, it didn't. It was a terrible idea and it fucked everybody up. But sorry, it's in your salad. Like that's where we're headed. Well, that, well, I mean, they've been doing this for years to people in Africa and other like third world countries. You, you know, it's disgusting. And now they're trying to, you know, parlay into into. Are you talking about testing things on them? Well, yeah. And then like, for We've example, been doing that here, too. Well, that obviously. But like, for example, foreign aid was being given to certain countries in Africa by organizations oh, yeah. and whatnot. And it was sterilizing the women there unknowingly like crazy stuff like that and there's like a conspiracy like random but a conspiracy theory i don't really believe it's so much a theory i believe that they were onto something but you know paul walker when he died and his friend they mm -hmm. found out and they were going to you know expose it and that's why they kind of got what they say is you know how they died was um kind of planned because of that because he was um, involved in like these really big charities, and when he found out, him and his friend found out. Um, yeah, well, look at people, you know, like, like Chris Cornell and stuff. So, yeah, and exactly. it seems. Oh, like... is Walker's the guy that like wrapped his car into the pole or something like that. Yeah, the, yeah, that's supposedly, the portion, and it's supposedly like it bursts in flames instantly, which is you don't hear about. Oh, that I was about to jump the thermite after that. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, I was gonna say like looks like a pole accident that you know escalated quickly. Yeah, oh, just remember what like happened. A strip club on a Wednesday. We all remember what happened to the boyfriend of the daughter of the Georgia Secretary of State after the 2020 presidential election. Exactly. Who was working for the Office of Election Integrity. So they mm -hmm. said he was getting ready yeah. to blow the whistle on something big, and then he got droned. So, mm -hmm. you know, this is, this is a big and developing story. We're just kind of touching on it, and we're, we'll give you a little bit of lead-in after we give you some global receipts. Uh, it, it made it to Tucker. seems like he's one of the people that likes to touch on these things early uh, and, and kind of get it into the audience's brain before you hear it, like the narrative spun and then it's super saturated on all like the legacy media outlets. So let's hear him kind of give a quick little lead in on it. So who is the director of the World Health Organization? Well, that would be a former member of Ethiopia's Marxist-Leninist party called Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus. Nice. He once led the Ministry of Health in Ethiopia. He's not a physician. 
But as the head of the Ministry of Health in Ethiopia, for political reasons, he covered up three cholera outbreaks, the opposite of what he's supposed to do. He wrote off cholera as simply acute watery diarrhea. Again, he's not a doctor, so maybe he didn't know, but he did know. He did it for political reasons. Those outbreaks are taking place among disfavored groups. Mm -hmm. Then Tedros tried to appoint Robert Mugabe, the racist murderer who ran Zimbabwe into the ground, as an international goodwill ambassador for public health. Now, at the time, Zimbabwe was the poorest, most mismanaged, most racist country in the world. And yet Tedros thought he should be a goodwill ambassador for public health. These are some of the reasons that Tedros, needles to say, is a close friend of Tony Fauci's. So uh, Tedros is really a, an outstanding person. I've known him from the time that he was the Minister of Health of Ethiopia. I mean, obviously, over the years, uh, anyone who says that the WHO has not had problems has not been watching the WHO. But I think under his leadership, they've done very well. Yeah, they've done very well. He's, a, he's an outstanding person, that friend of Robert Mugabe's. And because he's such an outstanding person, we are days away from giving him operational control over our government's public health system, the one that you pay for and thought you controlled in this democracy. Hmm. Kind of scary. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like these people, like... You, you never... They're not even hiding it anymore. I mean... It's... No, it's a lot of... Proje you know, when they're talking about those chips... Uh, yeah. interwoven into food and stuff. Just imagine how long they've probably really been out for oh, and, and tested across the globe. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah, who's to say you don't already have it? They're not going to tell you something that hasn't already been tested or done or, you know, now is like whenever they speak about something, typically it's already in motion or has been, you know, obviously tested and, and whatnot. It's... And, and the only thing I could stop it maybe was possibly ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine. So now they're even more inclined nah. to get us inoculated with stuff. But yeah. uh, I, as you can imagine, Joe Biden is just licking his chops to get his signature on this bad boy. And uh, in our last audio clip of the day and of the week, consequently, because we are in Friday, and I'm going to say it again, it is Friday. I got it this time. Uh, Steve Bannon weighed in on War Room. Uh, let's hear him uh, give a little bit sterner narrative than Tucker. If you read Plato about the guardians, and, and you're yeah. one of the senior, most respected guys in the medical profession, this is really taking it to the people that are supposed to be our betters. This is putting it to the elites. What is it's wrong to with the that, elites. It, well, What's it is a part of globalism. It is a part of the elite global control that I describe in the COVID-19 and the global predators. On the one side, the controllers of who are the Chinese Communist Party, yep. and then Bill Gates and Schwab and th that group. Gates has put a ton of money into the World Health Organization. So you've got the worst of two worlds. You've got the communists on the one hand who control Tedros, and then you've got the globalists and the uh, um, the whole works that's being presented by Klaus Schwab as uh, the new direction to go in America, which is really, this is really the new world order. I want to correct two myths quickly. One, that the Senate has to approve this. That is not so. Nope. The uh, international law, legally binding, says that uh, that we have to obey the regulations of the World Health Organization. We're a member of it. That's how it would stand right now. If the Senate took a stand, then we would maybe have some clout 
but the Senate is, you know, at this point would not be taking a stand. Another uh, myth is that this is about pandemics, and it's not. This is about eventually seizing total control over world health. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. that sounds scary. Yeah, yep. to say the least. Seizing I mean, total control over world health. Yep. Govern me harder, Daddy. But, like, I don't want a, my world health to be controlled. Since it's Friday and we had a great week, I want to play a happy bonus clip to end. I got two little shorty ones. They're both, like, 20 seconds, and I'll let you guys pick. Do you want to hear George Bush call Ukraine Iraq, or do you want to hear Ron DeSantis award Joe Biden uh, Narco of the Month Club? Oh, man, that's hard. I heard the uh, first one. I haven't heard any of the other ones. Yeah, I haven't heard the other one either. You haven't heard DeSantis? Mm-mm. I'm pretty sure everybody's heard the Bush one. All right, here's a quickie of it, so don't miss it. It's a good one. Okay. Big Dick Ron coming in. Biden should be given an honorary membership in the Mexican drug cartels because nobody <laughs> has done more to help the cartels than Biden with his open border policies. Mm-hmm. And that is 100% factual. Everything feels fact. better now. The, the amount of money that they're making hand over fist Ugh. due to the policies and just the inability for the people that are working that job like to feel really bad for them. It's got to be disappointing, but I mean, those people are unable to do their jobs and it's just making the cartels jobs that much easier. It's amazing. Just imagine Mm -hmm. how many border walls we could have built with all that human smuggling money. Yep. (laughs) Well, what if, what if the United States gets so fucked up that the cartels start building their own border walls to keep us out? I was just, I was literally just thinking. And then, and then they're just going to be like, you're just going to have to come up to the fence and we'll hand you the drugs. Yeah. Please help, please. Like walk up windows. More drugs. Well, I can't More see. More drugs, sir. I can't see a lot of the international cartels getting on board with, uh, I mean, they like to put stuff in their bodies, but I don't think uh, forced COVID vaccines or monkeypox vaccines. Oh, no. Mm. And, I mean, do we really need a monkeypox vaccine? Fuck no. Like, this is ridiculous. It's like. Because I already, I, I already don't trust anything. Anything anymore. <laughs> And, no. and it's like, now it's like, I, I don't even want to get a flu shot. Not no. that I would, no. you know, if I wasn't forced to in ne- general. But. Never again, and neither my kids. I know they're, I know they're dripping COVID uh, vaccines into those bad boys. Of yeah. course. Yeah. And, and do you, well, haven't, I'm sure you've heard about the accidents, accidents, you know, and I'm air quoting. Yeah. Of kids getting the COVID vaccine instead of the flu shot. And full adult doses when full, they get Yeah, them. adult doses. It's fucking unbelievable. Unbelievable. Well, I tried to end on a good note, and here we are dooming again. <laughs> Don't make me no, play it's... George W. Bush. Um, <laughs> no, but you know what? It, it was it was a good week for us. Week. It, it was uh, another crap week for the nation, but uh, the best we can do is kind of just bring you guys the news and uh, take it from there. And channel Brent Hamachek a little bit. Mm. Excellent way to end the week. What do you think, Noah? Oh, yeah. Always a pleasure to sit down with one of our favorite guests and real-life friends, Christina Bob. And getting to know Max Miller, first of all, I hope our listenership appreciates the fact of how based he is. And I can't wait to crack a couple beers with him uh, at some point here in the immediate future. Another thing I can't wait to do is listen to the Steak for Breakfast podcast across every major downloadable platform. You can find the show on iTunes, Spotify, Pod Addict, Podbean, Google Podcasts, FM Player, iHeartRadio, or on the Patriot Podcast Network via the Roku app. Subscribe to the show and rate it. 
Don't forget to leave a review. Download, listen, like, follow, and share Steak for Breakfast content. Show creds. Well, I've already mentioned them, but I'm going to mention them again. Our lovely guest today, Miss Christina Bob of Save America and Max Miller, the House nominee in Ohio 7. In addition to that, we got some of our internet friends, Cagbro88, Mr. Garbaggio, the Patriotic Babe Accounts, Kyle Becker of Kyle Becker News, and Tom Pappert, the Editor-in-Chief of Valiant News Live. Friends, don't forget to go out and uh, throw some money at our partners. The only thing that happens when you do that is you help make small American businesses great again. My Pillow, we love it. We love Mike Lindell, the apparatus known as the My Pillow family. He wants to give us the best night's sleep we've ever owned. You can do that when you enter promo code Stake at checkout. The top tier of ear gear and all things related. Odyssey. Odyssey.com is the website. Find them on Facebook and Instagram. Stay ready gear holsters. If you would like a picture of, uh, well, let's just say you wanted to do a nice one this week. Christina Bob wearing a cowboy hat and the uh, Fuck Joe Biden t-shirt at the Trump rally. Sold. There you go. On a, on a melted piece of plastic made out of Kydex that you stick your concealed carry firearm in. StayReadyGear.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram. Man rubs. One rule, cardinal rule of steak for breakfast. Don't mistreat your meat. We have meat in our title, right? So what you want to do is buy it, shake it, sprinkle it, rub it, throw it in the smoker. Several hours later, you're going to pull it, drizzle on some barbecue sauce, and then dump it right in your mouth. Num, num, num. Manrubs.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has a pretty simple equation for all your gun-related needs. Firearms, parts, accessories, and ammo. WestCoastSurvivalArms.com is the website. Telephone number 619-870-6992. And you can reach Mike on Facebook Messenger as well. Mediocre Medic for all our first responders. Listen, if you don't love their gear, you're going to love their Instagram. MediocreMedic.com is the website. Go give them a shout. And last but certainly not least, get yourself a zero fuck stuck. Still don't know? Go ask Mark Joe Friday. Dumpbox to US. You can find him on Facebook and Instagram as well. As we segue. I like it. Upcoming shows. We're going to be back on Tuesday. And uh, we're going to have Danny Tarkanian. He's running a America First house race, Nevada 2. We're also going to be joined by Brent Hamachek and Chris Barron, two of the five men that make up the brain trust of human events. We're going to get all the news done in America First Roundtable. It's going to be amazing. We'll be back next Friday. How do I put this? It's a massively, bigly huge show. What do you think, Noah? Huge. We're going to start off with just a little bit of Raheem Kassam. It's going to be an amazing segment, and we're going to parlay that into a little mm, Cash Patel. How does that sound for you guys? Plus, we'll do a little bit of the news. Um, We'll be coming back after that on Friday the 27th. No, excuse me. We'll be back on June 3rd. Two candidates circling back. Trump endorsed. Michigan 3. Former HUD Assistant Secretary John Gibbs will be joining us. And we'll sit down with Kelly Cooper, who's coming back. He's looking to represent Arizona 4. We'll have Carrie Lake with us on the 10th of June. And looking all the way down the road a piece, July 8th. Still don't know why. Monica De La Cruz will be here. There's some open dates in between those shows, but let me tell you something. With the way things are going, I'm pretty sure they'll be packed with guests. Friends of the Week. Who we got? Not Far Out. 
Hugh White memes, of course. The real Al Gorbachev. Right-wing savages 2.0. Sublime and slime, what I mean to say. Edward Russell, the Duke of memes. Republican actual 2.0. John Hacker LA and Baby Cakes 2.0. That's where I draw the line. Guys, there's a few things to remember between now and next show. This one's been great. If you want to fact check anybody or look a little bit more into the narrative, do your own research. Number two, start a podcast. Just imagine what uh, recording over the course of five days, seven interviews, three intros, three outros, writing a whole bunch of numbers and letters and down. It's like we took a week off and you didn't even know. Weird. Starting a podcast is easy. And last but certainly not least, let's see what happens. This has been episode 136 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. And we'll be back on Tuesday with episode 137. We'll have Danny Tarkanian, Chris Barron, and Brent Hamachek. But in the meantime, have a nice weekend. Thanks for listening. On behalf of the pod team, I'm Roan. Noah. Later. Antoinette. Bye, guys. Love you, dear. Thanks for listening. And take care. One of the things I'd say in response to the media is when they talk about, especially early on, about the way I did my job. I said, I will absolutely leave the court when I do my job as poorly as you do yours. <laughs> and that was meant as a compliment, really. <laughs> I think we've neglected this side of the room. As well. Oh, gosh. All the way over here, yes. <laughs> it really is good to be me. It really is. <laughs>